This episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon is brought to you by Sound Probiotics. Hey, I never get sick. You know how? I take Sound Probiotics. I take this little pill once a day that is full of these happy little bacteria that make your body feel so good. 70% of your immune system is the bacteria in your guts. You take a Sound Probiotic pill, which is actually engineered specifically for athletes, used by none other than Rachel Joyce and Ben Hoffman as well. And your immune system is so happy that it's got the great bacteria in there. It helps you fend off the bad stuff out there that's trying to take you down and ruin your training. You know the best way to have a bad race is to get sick. Yeah, don't get sick. That's ridiculous. Get Sound Probiotics and you can get 10% off of an order with discount code ZENTRY, all capital letters. Go to soundprobiotics.com and type it in. Just like this, Z-E-N-T-R-I. You can do it. I believe in you. And you get 10% off and Sound Probiotics delivered right to your door. One a day. It's as simple as that. And here at Zentri, we love simple. All right, let's go ahead and get started with the show. You are listening to Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Hey there, all you tri-freaks and geeks. This is Brett Blankner with another great episode of Zen and the Art of Triathlon. Hey, on this show, we have back the one, the only Christine Lynch, a.k.a. Holistic Guru, talking all about how to fuel and eat before and during races. We go deep on all kinds of cool stuff. We talk about salt a lot, how it helps you digest your food better, just you know, for example, one of the cool little tangents we go off on the side there. And just, it's a really, really great interview. And she and I are old friends. So we talk about all kinds of stuff for an hour. It's a very valuable show for those of you that are trying to figure out your nutrition uh, for long course stuff. And also, like I said, pre-race. It's very, very important to eat the right stuff the day before and the morning of. And we cover all that. It's great to have her on the show. And also, I take you with me to talk about how to train and execute a great week so that you can have a great race, specifically on the bike, doing time trials and how to use a time trial to increase your bike performance and increase your bike power and FTP, functional threshold power. Basically, how many watts you can hold for an hour. It's a fantastic test. I'm going to go over in detail how to do it and how to get the best out of yourself so that uh, you get the best numbers. Because once you have your FTP number, you can do all kinds of amazing stuff so much better in triathlon. And also how to do a test the best way. There's all kinds of ways to do it. And I found a really great way to get it done in the most accurate manner. And uh, so, yeah, we're going to cover that. I'm really excited about bringing that to you. I had some really great results this week. Okay, and I guess before we go any further, we should knock out some triathlon news. Here we go. All right, right off the bat, we should jump in to the San Francisco Bay and talk about Alcatraz. That race is crazy. I did it one year, and I had to qualify for it. 
at another race where we jumped off of a ferry. All the athletes jump off of a ferry next to Alcatraz Island, and they really do swim from Alcatraz Island next to Alcatraz Island to uh, shore uh, to San Francisco, to the beach. And then you... Uh, you run a long ways to your bike, and then you bike up over what seems like a mountain. It's incredible. Uh, and then bike around like crazy, and then the run goes down a beach and through a tunnel that was uh, used in the Civil War times or such. I mean, it is just a really, really hilly, really tough, really nuts race, and I loved it. And this year, we had a new winner, two new winners. We had... Eric Lagerstrom, who is a Viking from the USA's, take out the win in 202.06, and he beat Andy Potts just barely. There's all kinds of video online of him edging out Potts uh, at the finish line and going nuts with this hand pumping of the fist. And he's probably doing that because Andy Potts always wins this race. So to actually beat Andy at this race is very, very hard to do. And congratulations, that's nuts. Uh, Andy Potts, uh, second. Kevin Collington, third. Uh, Josh Amberger and Cameron Dye round, rounding that out. And on the women's side, Ashley Gentle with a 213. And then Lauren Goss, uh, Miranda Carfrey was in this. And Leanda Cave was in it. Pretty good result, 217 for her. And uh, somebody, I don't know how to say her name, Magali uh, Tissere from... Canada at a 219. Very, very close racing, very competitive. All these people coming in very quickly. It's like a uh, an Olympic distance, except that um, the terrain and the swim are uh, so extreme that uh, it seems to get stretched out just a little bit. Kind of like halfway between an Olympic and a half Ironman. And then we had a 70.3 in Switzerland, and Sebastian Keenley won that, and Peterson took the uh, took the women's uh, race. And I guess the uh, the next important thing to talk about is we have new ownership of races, the challenge races in the Middle East. Ironman stepped in and took over Bahrain and Dubai which is absolutely crazy. I'm actually really proud for um, the Middle East and, and getting Ironman in there because uh, one, of the, one of the really interesting things is uh, that part of the Middle East has a really bad um, health problem. And um, if Ironman steps in, they bring in a ton of athletes to come race, and hopefully that can inspire and get locals uh, racing. Uh, challenge is great. Ironman tends to bring in even more people, so we'll go with that. And, and even bigger news, I might go to Bahrain and do the race. <laughs> I can't believe I just said that. I'm going to work really hard on getting there, and I might need some help getting there. That is a long ways to go, and uh, very expensive uh, tickets to go there. I might do a little fundraiser to get my butt on a plane and go over there and get a whole lot of race coverage and behind the scenes and actually take all of you guys and gals on a uh, sound seeing tour that's what they call it sound scene of Bahrain what I'm what I'm doing around there and the food and all kinds of cool stuff and it looks like yeah it's definitely going to happen it's December 5th and yeah I'm really excited about that and let's see let's wrap up uh, the news with some 
gadgets and gear, we've got Polar with a new bike computer coming out. Let me look up the actual name of it. And it's, uh, it's on, there's a really good review on DC Rainmaker's website. And he just gushes over this thing. Um, it's super, super fast. The display is wonderful. It's just the right size. It does all kinds of great stuff. Uh, but there's one flaw, and it won't do Ant Plus. And they refuse to do it because Garmin actually owns the patent, I guess, on uh, Ant Plus, and maybe you have to pay Garmin to use it. Uh, Sunto uh, caved and went in on it and had just incredible sales on their Ambit 3, uh, Ambit 2, and uh, with all the, um, by enabling uh, with the Ant, Ant Plus, um, there's Ant and then there's Ant Plus, and with enabling all that, uh, picking up a huge a chunk of the market share of uh, of devices out there that talk in Ant Plus. It's kind of the industry standard. So if you're ignoring the industry standard, then uh, you're going to lose on a, out on a whole lot of customers that have power meters, heart rate straps, and all that uh, that talk in, in Ant Plus, but would love to have this Polar computer. It's the M450, it looks like, yeah. And uh, But because Polar refuses to work with Ant Plus, then... Um, yeah, everybody's out of luck. So you can actually put pressure on Polar. At the uh, press conference about it, uh, DC Rainmaker said the journalists were giving them hell about it, saying, come on, what is keeping you from doing Ant Plus? Nothing. Just do it. You sell a heck of a lot more computers. All right, there's all that. That was pretty much the triathlon news this time around. Let's go ahead and get started with our interview with Christine. Christine Lynch and I go way, way, way back. She was one of the very first guests on Zen and the Art of Triathlon where I had her talking about sugar and how much sugar is added into Americans' daily diet. It's like five pounds or something like that of of added sugar that we don't even know that we're eating since sugar became a commercially produced uh, product, uh, mass produced with the agricultural revolution with a sugar with a sugar mill. And then people just started, uh, well, companies just started adding it, adding it to their food and kind of like this escalation of making stuff sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. And then now it's all sugar all the time and now everybody's got diabetes, which is a whole lot of fun. Not, but that was a long time ago we did that show. Now Christine is on talking about all kinds of good stuff related to eating the day before, the morning of, and then during your race. And also we talk a lot about salt, which is really, really cool. And we talk about going up to New York for Emily and I to go visit her and her fiance, soon to be husband, John Hirsch, who's been on the show a lot. He's a pro triathlete. And we might do some cyclocross, which I'm super amped about. You can be amped, but you can also be super amped, which... That's what you want to do when you do cyclocross. She might do the cyclocross in her wedding dress or something. I don't know. Let's go ahead and hop in to the interview and get all the details. Here we go. Welcome to the next level. Hello. Hi. Hello, is this Christine? It is. Hi. 
What's going on? Are you okay? Can you hear me okay? Uh, there's something weird going on with my phone. Yeah, but... can you hear me okay? Oh, there is? There, now I'm better. Are you better? Yeah, I mean, can you hear me fine? Yeah, I can hear you great. Oh, sweet, okay. You're a little quiet. Uh, let me, let me see. I have hands free right here. Is this any better? Yeah, that's okay. better. I'm outside. Ugh. Yeah. I'm jealous. We're recording uh, already. I assumed we would be. You don't waste any time. No, no time to waste. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on Block Island right now. Oh, um, man. So yeah. Block Island, New York, where... No, it's, what's it? it's like, um, it's off the coast of Rhode Island. Rhode Island, okay. Yeah, so I'm heading back there? to New York tomorrow. John's um, doing a training camp for um, Challenge Williamsburg. Oh, okay. For the people that don't know, who's John? <laughs> who's John? Oh, he's the guy I'm going to marry pretty soon. All right. Yeah. So this is what happens at your Spain, he's, Spain training He's my camp? biggest fan. Yeah? You yeah, get, exactly. You climb a mountain he's my, and then get He's my biggest to? fan. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I have to ride the rest of the mountain um, <laughs> to the top before I get to tell everyone about it. <laughs> That's funny. So... Yeah. That was a magical day. It was a good time. That was so cute. It was. It was awesome. I knew something was up that morning, so I'm like, why is he being so nice to me? Hmm. But, yeah. yep. Instead of what? How, how is he usually? So, um, Pushy? yeah. No, usually, like, during a training camp, he's, like, exhausted and um, kind of whiny. Yeah, whiny. Yeah, I was, about, I was about to say grumpy, but no, yeah, that's not the word. It's whiny. Yeah. Yeah. Like a, like a <laughs> sissy. <laughs> but he was being like super excited and happy energy guy uh-huh energy guy yeah no uh, it, it's not even whiny whiny is an exaggeration it's more like zombie oh okay i remember i'll so. never forget when he came down here and he was riding with me and we went out for a hundred mile bike ride mm -hmm. and we were getting close back to the house and it was like 90 eight miles or something like that over 99 and i go okay turn right and he said why are we turning right <laughs> and i go because we're gonna do 100 miles and he goes screw that 100 miles <laughs> i don't want to ride 100 miles and i'm like dude you're not gonna let some age grouper ride 100 miles and you're not right <laughs> He's like, oh i hate you okay like that it was so meanwhile yeah, he whiny. had probably done a hundred the day before yeah, oh totally <laughs> <laughs> and the day before that and the day before that yeah, yeah. like a border collie he's gotta keep yeah. going yeah so what's new with you what's going on so uh lots of stuff i um was i i tore my plantar fascia i completely completely ruptured it and mm -hmm. then kept running on it um and then that led to a stress fracture in my metatarsal. So um, I was not running for a long time. I was on crutches for like about two months. But um, I like literally, because I, I just couldn't do weight bearing, like walking or running, but I could pedal a bike. So I crutched to my bike, got on the bike and rode and then got off by my crutches. So I still was able to ride a bike. Um, but now I can run again. So I'm starting with the, like, you can run every other day for 30 minutes, then next week, 35 minutes, the real slow coming back thing. Yeah. Um, and it's so lovely and exciting because running's my favorite. 
But you know, you kind of remind me of this. Uh, I saw a thread on Slow Twitch, and I didn't even mm -hmm. click past it because I didn't even want to know. But the title mm -hmm. was, How Do I Ride a Bike with a Colostomy Bag? <laughs> How do I train with a colostomy bag or something like that? I mean, what? You're going to let that and stop there's, you? There's, there's two different things going on here. Either it's very temporary, right? And mm -hmm. he's got something going on where he has to do it. Um, and in that case, don't. Take a freaking right. break for a little bit, okay? Right. Um, now then there's a whole lifestyle situation. You're trying to figure out how to do it because you're going to be stuck with one for a long time for whatever reason. Right. And yeah, okay, that's a good question to ask. And uh, But I was like, uh, like classic exercise addiction, right? Like, um, yeah. I broke my neck in three places and my... Um, I see this all the time on slow twitch, stuff like this. Uh, and um, I got lacerated uh, with 54 stitches from a shark bite. Um, what percentage of my FTP is this going to affect with the three days, <laughs> the three days I'm planning on taking off? <laughs> the doctor's making me take off. And you're like, dude, freaking calm down, man. Like, just take a break for a couple of days. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm totally an enabler of that kind of thing because I'm like, well... What can we invent to hang your, to attach your colostomy bag so that you'll be able to pedal without yeah. getting in the way? Yeah, there is that, right? I'm sure we can come up with something. Yeah, we that's don't the want way this I think too. Yeah. To be a disability that's going to interfere with your quality of life and your quality of cycling and training. Yeah. You want to be able to pedal with your colostomy bag. <laughs> that's fine. So Let's did your, figure it out. Did your you you ruptured your is it ruptured or tore? Or is, what's the difference? Your ruptured. Tendon. So that's a tendon that runs my, yeah, my, under your foot. Well, plantar fascia. It's not. It's fascia, so it's not a tendon. Okay. But it, yeah, it goes underneath like your entire foot and attaches like to the back of your heel. Right. Um, and and what so were you doing people, when, when this they, happened, what were you? You were just walking across a parking lot, or were you being awesome and epic at the? Moment? Oh, oh, oh! I mean, this is a really long uh, process, but I. The, the sort of short version is um, last winter, like so uh, it was like January 2014, uh -huh. um, I was doing really huge run weeks, like 80, 90 miles mm -hmm. um, to prepare for a marathon. And it's the biggest run weeks I had done um, to that date. And so I it just didn't occur to me that that meant I would have to change my shoes all the time because yeah. you get, you know, in three weeks you're at almost 300 miles. So right. I didn't change them enough. And then I was like out of, I was traveling when I realized my feet are hurting. I need to change my shoes and I mm -hmm. like put it off. So that's when it all started by August. I was doing the block Island sprint try and I was winning by like a minute and I had less than an, than a mile to go and I felt a pop and it was like raining and it was on the beach on the sand that we were running and uh -huh. I was killing it. It was raining and I felt, I felt the pop and I kind of limped for a minute and then I felt a second pop and fell over and didn't stand up again on my, on my foot yeah. for weeks. And I had to be like, carted off the sand in a four-wheeler then into an ambulance and it was like i i had to army crawl up it was very dramatic yeah with the rain and, and the wind loved, i'm sure you loved all that and attention the, and the yell there was yeah. hardly anyone around and i had to like yell out and the girl passed me oh it was very you dramatic still, you Should didn't a still movie. win no i couldn't even stand up i fell over why didn't you crawl 
<laughs> I army crawled a little bit. <laughs> God dang, Christine. So, I know. I know. I have regrets. <laughs> so then after that <laughs> you could have totally won that sprint triathlon <laughs> i know <laughs> i was defending champ um not anymore so throw sand in people's eyes as they try to pass you yeah yep yeah. um so i so then i was on crutches for a while um and i let it heal as long as i thought but mm -hmm. the mri didn't really show too much and so i thought it was fine so then i got back into running and i continued my season and then, um it but it still was hurting and then i did um that i won that 50k <laughs> in january yeah i trained for the 50k and i won the 50k and i right. was like my foot feels funny and then i got another mri and they're like that's cuz you tore your plantar fascia off the bone and your bone's broken Holy and i was like what doesn't even feel like my bone's broken yeah that's weird yeah but i forgot that your was. bone was broken it's kind of coming back to me now yeah I mean, so i knew the whole thing about it being torn completely off you know yeah so uh, i guess i just pushed myself and like dissociated from the pain mm -hmm. and uh now but now i took enough time and rehabbed it and got a really good doctor in the city and um so now I think it's going to be fine. I'm just, and I'm going to be careful coming back and no ultra marathons for me. No, I mean, no ultras for me for, you know, at least a few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> so are you, while you get your colostomy bag fitted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I like how you're like, well, I can still ride a bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, yeah. um, so that, so, but me, in the meantime, I finished, um, another degree and got licensed, um, to add being, um, an occupational therapy assistant to what I'm to doing nutrition and everything else. Yeah. This so, is super exciting. I'm stoked. Yeah. So I got that officially got my passing grade, um, like three days ago. Right. So now I'll now be what? able to do, well, now I'll be able to do the things I want to do, but also be able to take insurance for, you know, certain types of work. Like I'll, I'll be able to work with diabetic groups and also um mm -hmm. i'll be able to, i really want to work with athletes rehabbing from injuries like you know yeah. people who Torn their have foot apart. cycling accidents and they want to be able to keep riding with a colostomy bag like how can we make <laughs> this work for you and so yeah. now and then i'll be able to add the nutrition to it and it's all very exciting so it's the whole package everything everything and, it's awesome. Okay, so is there a way for people to do you have like a list made up for people to get in touch with you and uh, select your services and like do they need to live near you or can you do it over the internet with Skype and video and FaceTime and stuff? Or um well, so the occupational therapy will be referral based. Um okay. and and that's like from doctors and things like that. And I'll probably go work with a specific rehab. Um, I already will be working with a short-term rehab. Um, and maybe I'll become more specialized after a year to find somewhere with athletes specifically. But I'm just exploring all of that for now. But mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can add that on my page. But, you know, it was just like a lot more knowledge that I added um, through my education. So what about this. road rash? How well versed are you in that? Because I got some road rash right now. It's killing me. What did you do? Oh my God. I, I wrecked. 
on my podcast, I spent probably three episodes warning people about the bike ride on Galveston, that there's a section where if you're not careful, you will wreck. Mm -hmm. And then I went and wrecked on it, mm -hmm. which is funny. And then um, it was a 90 degree turn with potholes in the rain. And my the grip tape on my handlebars had worn off over the years. And mm -hmm. uh, so my hand slipped off and I landed on my side. I ended up with road rash all down one side and then really bad on my knee, like the size of a silver dollar, mm -hmm. but deep, you know, like really scraped it really good. And that has taken so long to heal. I went and got a uh, tetanus shot. They recommended that I do that because oh, of, wow. the, because yeah. of the, uh, how bad it looked. Mm -hmm. And um, what was the other thing? The, uh, of course, I went and ran the, mar the uh, half marathon all bleeding all over the place. Mm -hmm. that's how we do things <laughs> well it's it doesn't hurt that bad until it scabs over and starts to oh, stretch out itchy. and stick to your you know, sheets yeah do you know why emily's getting yeah, so when mad it's still fresh it's not that bad because it's for like a month and a half now or longer i'm leaving blood stains down <laughs> on the lower left side of the bed <laughs> and the sheet will stick to my knee you know yeah then and, you gotta um, take it off. it'll start itching and sub like Without even knowing it, I'll start scratching at it, you know? Yeah. And that'll open it. Why? Do you know why it starts itching again? Is it? Because it's healing. That's, it's supposed to be doing that? So yeah. how, do you how do you keep from touching? You have to put a bandage over it? How do you keep well, from touching Well, you could it? bandage it, but you could put, like, gloves on your hands. Socks. <laughs> at work. Sleep with socks on it's your hands. Like <laughs> yeah. And then restrain, walk around restrain with, like, your arms. Mittens on. Yeah. Restrain your arms to the bedposts. <laughs> Okay. Emily will dig that. She'll be like, that's Yeah. Cool. She probably already has that set up. She's got it set up. It's in a drawer. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> Emily will be like, oh my God. And then, uh, okay. Um, but then I fell on it the other day while trail running. Mm-hmm. And it ripped it. It ripped the healing. The scab was actually working. And it ripped mm -hmm. the whole thing off. And now it's kind of oozing clear all over again. And it's taken a long time Ew. to uh, cover back over. Should I be concerned? Um, it's not infected. It's kind of like, uh, it's just kind of still oozing and having to kind of start all over. How do you know it's not infected? Well, it's not red and it doesn't. But is it like raised or all red around it or anything? No, nah, no. Nah. Hmm. It started to get infected when it first happened. It was getting that way. Of course. And so they put me on antibiotics. That's probably why they wanted to, yeah. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, you can just put some antibiotic ointment on there to make sure that it stays clean i don't know i'm a guy and i don't want to mess around with stuff just kind of forget about I it i would let the air get at it yeah i just cut a hole in my work pants yeah but just let don't it touch it too much <laughs> people are like screaming yeah. what is that don't you <laughs> no you just say i have to wear shorts uh-huh um can you write me a, some kind of nur doctor's or nurse's note i can wear shorts to work don't you have a wife for that Dude, she's got no sympathy. She just yells at me that I'm doing everything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh, part of what I what we need to record about so uh -huh. that you can play it back to Emily is uh -huh. um, so you'll be coming hopefully to the, my wedding. I know. And We're it's excited. on the same weekend as Supercross, right. Supercross in Gloucester, Mass. Mm -hmm. And Emily doesn't believe you that you it's a requirement that you do cross as part of going to my wedding. Right. Cyclocross. Right. So right here on this recording, she can listen to it and play it back again and again. Uh -huh. We are going to have make sure you won't need to bring a bike. We'll have a bike for you to use. Now John said that the bike they're going to get be me a, 
it's going to be small. too small, but as part of cyclocross being a miserable experience on purpose, that that's part of it. Yeah. And he doesn't give a crap yeah, and you have if to, I'm we, miserable like, it's on a better bike. If, the more you look like a, a yeah, bear, the more you look like a, a clown, the better. Yeah. Okay. So we've, we've got our outfits all planned out and we uh-huh. ha- are recruiting people to be hecklers and I'm going to wear a wedding dress. You should, I wish you heard the conversation when I was telling Emily about this. I said, um, yeah, I'm actually excited to uh, go to New York because um, I've been talking with John and Christine and um, I, I'm going to do uh, some cyclocross while up there. And um, I've never done a cyclocross race before, you know? Oh, it's so fun. I know. I love watching cyclocross videos. Like, yeah, the it's cool. The best. And, and I'm so into it. And then uh, uh-huh. and she said, what? We can't go on one vacation without you having to exercise or do something. And, you know, she do really race. went off on me. A race or we, this is going to be time with us and with John and Christine. And, <laughs> and, and Well, she's and, the one not spending time with us because uh, she's uh, right. not doing the race. And, and you just need to not do anything and enjoy a trip with us being together with them. And you not taking off and going off by yourself and doing something. And I go, Emily, they're in the race. <laughs> and she was like you should have seen her face she's like what and I go, they're in the race they're racing it she's like i'm not gonna win this one and I, and, <laughs> and, and, it's our and, wedding uh, it's called wedding cross and she said i said i think it's like both days like i'm not sure which day and then uh and she said um well maybe maybe the day before or something like that and i go actually i think it's the day of the wedding <laughs> and i think christine's wearing a wedding dress while cyclocrossing <laughs> And she was like, oh, it's going to be awesome. I know. It's going to be the best. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm going to have two different wedding dresses, though. Uh I'm not going to wear the muddy one to actually get married in. Oh, damn it. I know. Yeah. There's a white wedding dress. There's silver. And then there's mud. Yeah. (laughs) What does that imply? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Man, she's dirty. Something borrowed, something blue, something muddy from cyclocross. Well, what another um, thing so people yeah. may not know about is you're um, probably not the current defending American Zoffingen champ. No, oh my god! You gosh. let that go, but you are like a two-time one of the one of the world's hardest. Uh, it's a duathlon, right? Yeah, it's a duathlon right? in the mountains in upstate yep. New York or yep. midstate. Is it upstate or yep. midstate? New uh, Paltz. It's upstate, and um, where I almost got it's viciously attacked by a bear. Same place. Yeah, and. Uh, the uh you you won that twice yeah it was awesome on a road bike yeah <laughs> big debate which is big a big debate, debate. yeah so road what's bike. what's the uh, what's the deal on on road bike versus tri bike how'd you pull that off and why does it why does it matter okay so uh <laughs> okay with so much climbing i'd rather be on my road bike on that course for okay. climbing like i just climb right past everyone who's on their tri bikes on you that climbed course. past me on a mountain pass one time yeah yeah so like i was standing I, still you laughed I, th- I remember you turned around and just looked at me and you just went <laughs> hi brett like i was like shit while i was on a tri bike and you were on a road bike right well that's yeah you yeah. guys and your tri bikes i mean there's a lot of things about climbing on a bike that people do uh-huh. wrong that they could do better right but i'm not gonna go telling everyone that oh you can't give away all your secrets no i like being the first one to the top <laughs> <laughs> I like my that's how i have my personal space my own time so you're in a race and you're just like 
man, I need to get away from these people. I should win this just to get away from other people. Just so I can have like a moment to myself yeah, like okay. I did. Where's a space where there is nobody else? Oh, out front. <laughs> the five minute Off lead. the front. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that's, that's why I like it. It's more comfortable. I find it better for climbing. But you know the real reason? Why? The real reason? I have never had a tri bike ever. Oh, yeah. I guess you haven't. So I've only had a road bike, so that's actually the real reason. But I like to um, say that it's because a road bike's better and then win and say, what, you're going to tell me it's not better? I just want. <laughs> you're like Chrissy Wellington with the uh, road helmet versus the arrow helmet. Yeah. Where people are like, well, Chrissy Wellington won Kona, all of, all of her races with a road helmet and not an arrow yeah. helmet. Right. And then people are like, well, she'd be faster with with the uh, aero helmet for sure and they're like well who knows yeah <laughs> <laughs> she's like know. you you wear the aero helmet and i'll wear the road helmet and then we'll race and we'll okay. see who wins yeah. and that's how you'll know that's fine. um but so anyway um amzoff happened uh two weekends ago and i obviously wasn't there right. because of my foot and um I'm glad because the woman who came and won and set the new course record. Oh, no. Which I had before. Uh-huh. Won by like 40 minutes faster than what I had ever done it in or 30 minutes or so. Actually, yeah, I think it was like 30 minutes or so faster. Like, I don't think there's any hope in me ever going that fast. She is like incredible. Yeah. She, who was it? Do yeah. you know her name? She's, uh, what the heck was her name? I forget what it was, but I looked at, like, at first I was like, oh, no, that woman would have kicked my ass. But mm -hmm. then I looked at all her accomplishments, and I'm like, she would have kicked everyone's ass. <laughs> um, she's, like, um, national duathlon champion. Oh. And she yeah. was, like, um, she was, like, the top triathlete, like, female age group triathlete. Um, I, I'll have to look up her name to tell you, but anyway, so I, I was more like psyched that she went and did the race. Oh not that, yeah. yeah. Not that that race, I mean, it sells out, so right. it doesn't need people to promote it and people with like impressive race resumes to come and do it, to draw more people. Cause it sells out right away every year. Yeah. But, um, it's just kind of cool to have like such strong competition there. Yeah. Yeah. It it lends it an air of legitimacy to have yeah to have some badasses show up yeah and, it's really uh, cool and then it's kind of cool because then if you ever go back you got a new time to try to beat instead of just racing yourself yeah and it's also um maybe i could work that time but that course mm -hmm. anything can happen it's like so crazy that race um sometimes you have like it can be really hot and humid other times it's like 50 degrees and pouring and the course is just so brutal that um, it, anything could happen to someone who's way faster than me, and I could still end up winning. You just have to like stick with it because it's so easy to screw something up or have something bad happen where you just don't get to finish the way you planned. You know what? While, while we have you on the air, a uh -huh. good question to ask you is if you were out, if you were going to do a long race, like a half Ironman or let's say Ironman-ish, you know. Uh, distance duathlon mm -hmm. or or, or triathlon doesn't really matter or an ultra marathon something like that how would you be fueling it now knowing what you know and all your background in the nutrition stuff 
Like, oh, like, yeah. And, and in, actually, now nowadays, it's getting more and more important to know kind of like the couple days leading up to it. Yep. Like, what would you eat? You don't have to get very specific, but just kind of like... Yeah. Uh, this has been yeah. like the main thing that people have been reaching out to me for recently uh-huh. um, is spelling out their fueling strategies from like the um, couple of days before mm-hmm. um, all the way through the entire race. And uh, it's something you need to look into months before your actual race. It's not something that, you know, you're doing your taper and you're like, okay, now it's time to plan out my nutrition. Because you have to test. That's the way I always do it. (laughs) No wonder. You have to test it out so that on race day, it's all, you don't think about it. You're just doing what you always do. You always have the same dinner the night before and you always have the same breakfast and you always plan out, do your nutrition a certain way. So that said, you got to figure it out way in advance. Mm -hmm. But, um, the couple of days before, it depends on the person. So, um, I'll use John and I as examples cause we're like very different in terms of fueling and I can eat and then I can race and I don't really have a problem. My stomach can handle it. And I also get like, say poop. I, can eat <laughs> I also get hungry. Um, uh-huh you know, while I'm racing. So, but he can't have solid foods really. So he has to have, um, the morning of the race, he has to have like applesauce, really easy, easy to digest, Uh but just get some calories in. And the number of calories he gets in isn't actually a ton. So he has to make sure that he's really on top of getting his calories in regularly during the race. Right. But he has, he'll have his coffee, but he also has applesauce, um, and maybe a banana and some kind of electrolyte drink. Um, so does the applesauce really make you poop like people say it does? It doesn't. For I mean, apples uh, contain um, pectin, uh-huh. and that helps actually make it so that you it doesn't, like, bind you up. But if you think about um, what – if you have, like, really bad stomach mm-hmm. problem, like diarrhea or something, you're sick – Right. There's something called the brat diet. Uh-huh. The brat diet. And so brat. Oh, yeah. Not yeah. the brat brat. <laughs> which <laughs> which Brett is worst. bananas, yeah. rice, apples, and toast. Oh, okay. So yeah. any any of those foods for somebody who has like problems with foods making them have to poop before a race, then the brat diet is a good option. Bana- so applesauce. Okay. Bananas, raisins. Rice. Oh rice. Not rice. raisins, that's the opposite. Right. <laughs> Um, bananas, rice, apples, so uh, applesauce, and, and toast. toast. Why? Because those things help slow down your digestion. Okay. Um, and so, but for some people, there's also an element of nervousness. People get nervous and it's yeah. going to make them, um, feel like they have to go to the bathroom more too. So sometimes yeah, you have to address that. that. I have the op, I have, when I'm about to race, my colon clinches up. It goes, mm-hmm. nothing's... Everybody freeze. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody's going anywhere. Right. Like but my bladder goes, everybody run. Get the hell <laughs> out of here. Um, you just pee the whole time you race. It's fine. Oh, yeah. So it's actually not as bad because I go to the porta cans and I'm like, what the hell is that person doing in there? And that's the person that's mm-hmm. wired the opposite way. They're taking a dump because they're right. like, their colon is like, holy crap. Uh-huh. I got to get literally, I got to get out of here. Yeah, um, that can be nerves. It can be food choices. It can also be yeah. the night before. So. So anyway, that was that was the breakfast for the oh, um, person with the um, 
more sensitive stomach. And yeah, I've had a lot so of people like that recently. Yeah, John. Um, and also, you got to really look at ways to make sure that you're absorbing everything when your stomach is just acting up like that and you're just like expelling everything immediately. Mm-hmm. So, but that's so that skipped ahead to breakfast because really want to look at, you know, the day before. Right. Um, so, you want to consider whether you're somebody who really needs to cut down on the amount of fiber you're having. Um, because if you have a ton of vegetables, like you normally would the day before, some people who are prone to have more like pre-race diarrhea or have that kind of problem during the race, then they should cut out the vegetables the day before. As much as it kills me to say to skip yeah. a day of vegetables, yeah. you got to do it. I was telling um, some, several people that before Ironman Texas. Yeah. yeah. And I, I don't have to cut them out completely, but I do cut them down a little bit. I'll use just very little of it in my like pre-race dinner. Right. Um, but I'm careful not to have a lot. Um, and then you also want to try to have dinner relatively early. Mm-hmm. Um, and you might want to do that for a few days just to get used to, um, having dinner on the earlier side than going to sleep and having it be a while before your next meal. But on race day, you're going to get up much earlier than you normally do, yeah. most likely. So eating okay. dinner earlier is fine. But the one of the biggest problems that people make is they think carb loading means eating as much as is humanly possible. And then maybe they'll eat that kind of late and they'll eat like three or four huge plates of pasta. And then that feeling that you get afterwards where you're just so sluggish, you're so full, you're going to like burst. And can you imagine the amount of work you just asked your digestive system to do for you? And it's not used to doing that much work. So you're asking your body to do overtime. And then the process of falling asleep before your race, Mm -hmm. it's Already, it's hard to fall asleep the night before the race because you're nervous. But add on top of that, you just ate an enormous meal and completely stuffed your face. Yeah. Then you're going to end up, your energy is going towards digesting the food. And you don't have the energy to fall asleep because it takes energy to fall asleep. What? Are you so serious? you won't sleep as soundly. Oh, that's yes, true. You're, the process of yeah. shutting down the uh. whole entire system for you to go to sleep, just the process to get to sleep takes energy but then there's so much work that happens on your overnight crew in your body uh-huh. while you're asleep that it takes energy to do that too and so if you're digesting your food you're not going to sleep as soundly this goes like for people who don't sleep well anyway they could all consider maybe not pigging out before bed mm-hmm. or eating really late they might sleep better if they don't do that so but people are picking out because they're quote carb loading and then they end up not sleeping great their body's trying to digest heaping amounts of food. And then by the time the morning comes, they still haven't fully digested all that food. And they start the race and they still have undigested food because they ate like three meals worth right. the night before. So carb loading actually just means making different choices Not based more, on the ratios of the macronutrients. Yeah. Right. And so you want to have like good complex carbs really good source Uh um so maybe like whole grain pasta if you can Uh um rice whatever it is that people want for Uh complex carbs sometimes you end up going to the pre-race pasta dinner for an event and they have white pasta that's fine but just don't eat tons and tons of it have like a normal amount um and so then you'll be able to sleep well the night before 
Okay. Um, and it's just about making a good choice. And it means that if your plate is normally like the perfect plate for most people is half veggies. And then you take the other half and you do um, half of that as protein and the other half of that as uh, um, carbohydrate. Mm-hmm. Um, so you would switch it up to making it like a lot more carbs with some protein, maybe a little bit of vegetables. So it's just like reordering the amount of food you would eat anyway, yeah. but having more of the macronutrient of carbohydrates represented. So that's the night before. You also want to make sure you really hydrate well the day before. Mm-hmm. You can start having some extra electrolytes the day before. Yep. Um, and then your breakfast, if you're the sensitive stomach person, having things that are like brat diet style. Yeah, brat. Um, and, or some people have um, an easier time eating before racing like me. So I'll have, um, one of my favorite things actually is I'll make gluten-free Belgian waffles. Mm-hmm. This is like before a huge race and I'll get up early. So I have a couple of hours to digest it, but I'll have gluten-free Belgian waffles. I usually made the day before and then I'll scramble an egg and I put that um, like a sandwich with yeah. the scrambled egg in between and dip it in a little bit of syrup. That's like if I am racing out of home and I have time for something like that. Uh-huh. But if I'm traveling, I'll do like um, a gluten-free bagel with peanut butter and banana, yeah. something simple. You know, there was one um, race I did. I did an ultra and I had, um, I had a scrambled egg with part of my breakfast. Mm-hmm. And it was actually worked out really well. And I was surprised because people were like, no you know, don't eat stuff like that. It's all just carbs, you know, the morning of. And I was like, I was like, no, it's like the hard and fast rules. I like how you approach it better where you kind of tilt more in one direction. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. we're going to lean this way for a little bit because like you just said, some people can handle some vegetables the, the day before. Yeah. We're bio individuals. We to, always talk about this. And yeah. so because, and there's like the jumping off point, like typically this is what works for most people. Let's see how far you can stray from that. And if I don't have protein with breakfast, I'm going to be starving in an hour. I can't eat oatmeal. I have to have some kind of eggs. Otherwise, I'm going to be on the bike in my Ironman and be starving. Yeah. So I I have to have some kind of of eggs. Other people, they're totally fine. They don't get that hungry. They don't need protein. That's why I do um, something called a breakfast experiment with Mm -hmm. all my nutrition clients because we get a sense of what's the type of breakfast, whether it's like animal protein, vegetarian protein based, complex carbs. Some people actually do better with a simple carb. Uh-huh. That's when they feel the best. Um, so you see what is the best type of breakfast that holds you over the longest, makes you have the best energy and see if you can do that on race day. Yeah. But you do that by testing it on your training days. So um, that's, that's, that's like some options for breakfast the morning of and then you have to play with how much how early do I have to do it some people need to get up and do it like a few hours before some people are fine an hour before you just yeah. have to this is why you test it out on your longer workouts leading up to the race that's why it's important to start figuring it out and dialing it in a couple of months ahead of time um yeah. and then just before the race like 15 to 30 minutes before mm-hmm. have a hundred maybe 200 calories of something super simple to digest. So some people grab a gel or a banana or an electrolyte drink, but just top it off and then you start your race. So then the way that you want to work out the 
um, nutrition during. Again, these are all starting off points. And so people see what makes them feel the best. But what you initially asked was after, because when you met me, Mm -hmm. I had the nutrition education, but I was just dipping my toes from running a couple of marathons into doing triathlons. So I've definitely learned a lot. And we, in nutrition school, we didn't learn about fueling for these events. You just have to take the knowledge you learn from there and apply it and figure it out. Right. But the first thing I did was read labels of products um, and follow the instructions for those. For the first couple of years of racing, I did, you know, you know, a gel every 45 minutes or whatever the products are. They're roughly like 100 calories every 45 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. And then I was studying some other nutrition strategies and I read somewhere that I actually wanted to have three times that. And (laughs) for someone as small as me, I'm like 300 calories an hour on the bike. That sounds insane. The second I did it, I felt amazing. And the hardest part of transitioning into doing that was figuring out where the heck am I going to store all these calories? Right. Where do I put them so that I have them with me? Because like if you ride your bike for six hours, that's 1800 calories. So you need like two cycling jerseys on for that. (laughs) Yeah. So So um, what do you do? Where do you keep everything? I finally figured out how to carry it all with me. I really think that that was one of the things that took me to the next level as an right. athlete is being fueled. Um, so I find personally, if I put as much of those calories in my bottles, so I try to always get like the 24 ounce tall bottles, mm-hmm. um, and put them in my bottles, then that can help. Um, so some people, um, jack up the calories with a lot of people are using like you can or carbo pro, like things that they can throw in, um, calories that don't have a lot of flavor so they can throw it in with their favorite electrolyte drink or whatever they would want to have in their bottle anyway. Right. Well, what about, um, I remember one time you warned me. But you me. can also, of course, carry a lot of gels and a yeah. gel flask. You warned me one time about, um, with bars, to watch out because the amount of, to look at the fiber on mm-hmm. a bar because that fiber adds up and can yeah. actually slow you down. So you like you go oh this bar's got uh, <laughs> five grams of fiber. What's it? What's the? And then you're gonna eat six of them. So you're talking thirty grams. That's a little bit of a lag. So let's just pretend like uh, let's like we're on walkie talkies and not try to talk over each other. Wait till the other person finishes talking and then you talk back for a little bit. Over. Oh, like manners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll have to remember how to do that. Okay. All right, we have Christine Lynch back. Um, we got cut off by technology there was too much awesomeness going on on that phone call and the internet decided that it was too much for the listeners to handle and uh cut the connection before christine could continue telling us all about how to be uh, an awesome athlete fueling during the race and uh we left off with a she was talking about liquid fuel mostly but then there was something extra special that she was going to talk about that she was going to get really into and then the internet decided that that uh, people couldn't handle it, but we are bringing it back and we're giving it to the people. Okay, Christine, are you ready? I am ready. Are you ready? I am ready. Oh, there's a little bit of lag in our audio via Skype because Christine is hiding away on a secret island by her, her captor and uh, she can only get out messages briefly uh, through a very thin internet connection. So um, 
uh, we're going to do the best that we can. Everybody be patient. All right? Over. <laughs> okay. So where we left off was we were discussing fueling during racing because we already covered pre-race the day before and the morning of. So now during, mm -hmm. what do we need to do? So we want to make sure that we're taking in enough calories and carbohydrates during the event. And one of the best equations that I've heard is, as a, again, we were talking earlier about, we have numbers that we throw out there and theories that we throw out there that are the starting off point. And then you try it on and you see how it fits. And you might do it a little bit differently, but at least it gives you an idea where to start. And you had asked me the things that I'd learned and how the things that I've done have evolved over time that I've become more experienced in multi-sports. So I was saying that I started out, I read the labels, I would do uh, 100 calories every 45 minutes to an hour. And I thought that was good, but it wasn't. And when I eventually started following these formulas, I felt amazingly better. And a lot of people do. So um, point Can five I to point say six about that? grams of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I have yeah. talked to multiple pros who said exactly what you were saying that the secret to their success was more calories on the bike so that they could run well. And specifically, several female pros like Rachel Joyce and Angela Nath saying 300 calories per hour, maybe more, up to 350, maybe less, kind of depends. And that is so cool yeah, that you just said that. Over. It's hard to imagine how to even take in that much. It makes you feel like you have to pig out the entire time. So mm -hmm. the hardest thing is figuring out actually how to carry it. Sometimes it takes a little adjusting to feeling like you're taking in that much. Um, so it does take some time, which is why we were saying earlier, give yourself a couple of months before your A race to be practicing and getting used to taking in the more calories. So the equation is around 0.5 to 0.6 grams of carbs per pound of body weight. That's not calories, that's carbs per pound of body weight. So a gel might have somewhere around 25 carbs in it. Mm -hmm. So you want to do your body weight or mine, as an example? You forgot to say over. You could do mine. Over. No, I'm not over. <laughs> I'm over. still on. I'm still going. I'm not over. What? But the sentence ended in okay. over. So we have to say so, over? Even when we say over? Over. Okay, uh, let's do mine. Uh, over. No, uh, over. on. Uh, 180 okay, what? pounds. Or are we doing kilograms? Wait, 100. Over. What's your weight? 180 pounds. Oh, over. Okay. You forgot to say over. <laughs> 180 times 0.6 is. So that's 108 grams of carbs per hour. Mm -hmm. That's the upper end. So, but that would be per hour, that would be like four gels which is disgusting, right? Right. Over. Ugh. Over. Ugh. Over. <laughs> Agreed. Over. <laughs> so, so you got to find ways to get these carbs in, but you can work towards it too. So it's a process. It can take a while. So let's say your goal is to get around 100 grams of carbs per hour on the bike. Maybe right now you're somewhere around 50 per hour on the bike. 
So next time you go out, aim for 75 and see how that feels. Then creep it up a little more, a little more. Um, and I find it's best to get those carbohydrates in my bottles. I'll get tall 24-ounce bottles and put them in my bottles. Um, Question. And then add to it gels and things. Yeah, over. Uh, oh, how, how, um, how, how do you not develop diabetes eating... Uh, 400 calories of sugar an hour, of simple sugars an hour? Or is there some other kind of fuel that will Cause work you're, over? Because you're, you're using it right away. It's depleting and you're filling it up right away. Okay. All right, continue. Over. 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 Okay. So that's, <laughs> so that's carbohydrates for the bike. Uh -huh. And people are going to do that a million different ways, how they're going to get those carbohydrates. But it's worth a try to try this equation, figure out how many carbohydrates per hour and see how you feel. And for me, it was literally tripling. I have to have like 300 calories. It ends up being around there per hour or more. And then for the run, you can do roughly half that. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Over. Over. Yeah. Okay. So what do you like to use so now, on the bike? Some people... Oh, um, on the bike, let's see. And then on the run. I've recently switched. Well, I was, I had all this perpetuum around forever, like mm -hmm. so much of it. So I used that for a long time. Um, and now I'm looking at different things to try. Um, but I sometimes <laughs> will use like, um, when I'm training on Block Island, because I don't want to bring a bunch of stuff over there, I'll use Tang. Oh, okay. Over. <laughs> yeah. So, um, or I, I guess I just haven't really been trying any specific products for mega calories on the bike in a while. Because I haven't been, when I'm in Spain, I'll do um, regular food and that kind of thing. But for racing, I liked Perpetuum, something with a lot of calories in it. So oftentimes I'll do like a sports drink. Um, I'm excited to try the base hydro because I really like their salt. And I think that that's made a big difference for me. Um, and I never thought I was someone who needed to replace salt because I'm not a very salty sweater. But I notice a difference immediately. And so I'm excited to try the other electrolyte products that they have coming out. But then... I'm not sure that will be enough calories all in one bottle. So sometimes adding something like CarboPro um, and people like you can. I haven't tried that. So um, a lot of the time I end up just mixing up things at home. I've done um, maple syrup and lemon and water. Mm -hmm. And I'll mix like some base salt in with that. Um, so can you tell so, me about... Yeah, I don't have my go-to right now. I don't have a very good answer for that. Your... Uh, you were telling me with salt to take in uh, salt with your fuel because your stomach, uh, without salt, it doesn't want to digest as well? So <clears throat> some people, when they run into problems with assimilating the nutrition that they're taking in, like you'll hear people say that their digestion shut down and any calories they took, like they were either vomiting too much or they felt like it wasn't doing anything. They bonked and they were past like this point of no return with bonking and they couldn't get themselves back. Mm -hmm. um, 
no matter what they did with calories or they couldn't stomach it. Like your stomach will shut down and not want to digest anything anymore. And that can be an electrolyte issue. That can be because you ignored taking in enough electrolytes and so that your blood's not pumping enough oxygen so that you're digesting your food to the best of your body's ability while you're doing the race. And so people can take things in or they'll get really nauseous and they can't take things in and it's never going to work as well no matter what their plan was if they don't also look at their hydration and hydration being the full gamut of making sure you get all your electrolytes. And for a long time, I would work with people who have definitely issues with losing a lot of salt and needing a lot more electrolytes, like people who are covered in white powder and guys who would be incredible cyclists and they're so strong, but then once they get a cramp, that's it. They're done for the day. And so I would work with them and teach them how to take in more salt, more electrolytes. But I never considered myself being someone who needed that because I don't cramp. Um, I get tired towards the end of workouts for sure. And I'll bonk and I'll feel like sometimes my calories aren't doing what they should be doing. And I always sort of thought maybe I'm just really tired or whatever. Um, But I did find that when I came across some of the base salt, I was I grabbed it for a client of mine. So I was like, I don't need this um, because I'm not like a salty sweater. And whatever's in a traditional electrolyte drink is going to be enough for me. But then I was like, yeah, I'll try it because I would get so sick of sweet stuff. It kind of like sounds delicious to me to yeah. take a lick of salt. And it's so easy. The um, the packaging is my favorite part of it because it, you just like flip it open and you stick your thumb on it and then you lick your thumb. Right. And um, so I tried it and I really found that it made it so that I fatigued a lot later or seemed like not really at all. That was when I was doing, I tried it for my, um, ultra training. Yeah. Um, and it really spoke to me. I loved it. Um, and so I ordered some of that. So I've been using that in everything for training. They were handing it out at Ironman Texas, like, like throwing rice at a wedding or something. It was crazy how much of it they were giving it out. And I grabbed two of the little dispensers because I thought they were really handy. They, they're so they're so handy. It's so easy to carry around. You're just gonna make sure when you close it, you close it all the way. Because I lost, um, I didn't close it all the way once, and I fell out in my pocket. But um, <laughs> but yeah. And the reason why that is a much better delivery system than like, because a lot of people take um, salt capsules, mm-hmm. but then you're swallowing a capsule that's going into your stomach. Your stomach doesn't digest salt as well as you do sublingually and under your tongue. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to have much more rapid delivery if you put it in your mouth rather than in your stomach. And you swallow a capsule, you put it in your stomach, the capsule's got to dissolve, then the salt goes in there. But this just immediately hits you because you're licking it. And also, um, it's delicious. Like I get really, I look forward to it. Um, I was doing every 15, every half hour or every 15 minutes, um, when I was doing my really long runs to get ready for my ultra and for my 50 K. And, um, I looked forward to it every time cause it was like tasted really good. Well, cool. So, so that's like an amplifier yeah. 
Um, if you're somebody who doesn't cramp, it's like an amplifier. And if you're somebody who does cramp, then you have no choice. You have to take in electrolytes. Cool. Um, and it can be good before um, and during. So, And they have a whole bunch of other stuff that I um, haven't tried yet, but I will. But the salt is just like, I think it's so smart. So to wrap up, how, I got two questions for you. How can people get in touch with you? And also, if you were to prepare a meal right now, what would it be? Okay. To get in touch with me, Christine with a C-H at liveandeatbetter.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and also my website is liveandeatbetter.com. Um, and on Twitter, Holistic Guru. But I haven't been tweeting as much, so I just – people need to talk to me on there. Otherwise, I don't think of it anymore. I don't know why. <laughs> Okay. Um, and then uh, the other question, if I could cook any meal right now, what would it be? Um, I think that it would be soup because I'm on an island and it's I'm being held captive and it's really chilly out. Uh-huh. And I, so it would be like nice and warming to have soup. I'm boring. You could eat soup and stock up your energy reserves to swim to safety away from Mariah Carey's evil record-producing husband that's keeping you prisoner. Oh, he's going to be so mad that you told that that's who has me because now <laughs> people are going to come and find me. <laughs> rescue you. <laughs> um, yeah, and the reason why I won't swim away from being held captive is because somebody told me that there's one shark out there and I was like one is enough for me yeah that'll do it I don't I'm not gonna I don't care you know one shark is enough to make me not want to swim yeah in that ocean um one more thing though yeah that I wanted to tell you is um did you know I'm directing a race no what race race director now cool tell us about remember I did the pain in the mass tour yeah um last year and I was the queen of the mountains and we climbed um mount wachusett and mount Greylock, and it's two days in a row um i was doing that event because they wanted me to consider directing it and i loved it and so i took that over and so i've been working on that all winter um and it's gonna be august 22nd and 23rd and it's in massachusetts so it's on mount by the power of mount gray school you said <laughs> yeah Greylock. Oh. <laughs> Greylock is a hard climb. It sounds like it. Yeah. Only Skeletor could do it. Or uh, he won't. Yes. Well, Skeletor, yeah. Um, probably. Are That's... you going to allow equal number of pro females as pro males? Uh, yeah. Is uh-huh. it z- zero? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Y'all have a prize purse? Um, we have prizes, no prize purse. Oh. Not yet. This is the this is the second year, so we're growing it, and it's a charity event. So we're um, raising money for the Tyler Foundation, mm-hmm. which is helps kids with epilepsy oh, and cool. their families. Yeah, um, and so all the proceeds go to that. But it's super cool because um, you go and you start the event, uh-huh. and you ride a bit over a century on the first day and you and you climb a mountain mount wachusett and then everyone stays you have we'll have like um 
uh, awards dinner for the day. We have a polka dot jersey for the king and queen of the mountain. And the sponsor for the polka dot jerseys um, and the KOM and QOM is um, Strong Like Bull. So um, oh, Strong cool. Like Bull donated a free camp as oh. one of the prizes. Yeah. And so the polka dot jerseys are cool because they have the SLB logo and um, they're polka dotted. They're really cool looking. And then um, we have yellow jerseys for the fastest for each day. And then um, we have a big dinner and there's free massages and hotel room is included. And then the next day it's a shorter distance but a meaner climb. Yeah. yeah. So what's and the distance it, total? And you know uh, the elevation gain or not? Some. All of that is on the website uh -huh. and it's paininthemass.org. <laughs> dot org dot com dot was already taken org no because it's org oh it's a charity tyler yeah. foundation yeah, yeah we we're a non-profit somebody hadn't already taken that pain in the mass no that's weird you right that would be gone by now so 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 it's super cool yeah. um and we have limited entries this year um and we're hoping to grow it next year and when is it uh august 22nd and 23rd okay. it's a two-day and a road right. bike would probably be best for this. Oh, yeah, Sweet. definitely. Sweet. Definitely. Yeah. So it's says the queen of, of Amazon. Super excited. Yeah. And it's neat to be on this end of it, helping organize um, the whole thing, calling all the towns to get the permits and yeah. all that because we're going to travel far. This. When you get when you do uh, when you get this one done, you should come uh, be the race director for the Ultra Baby. Sure. <laughs> get all our town permits for our one town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> it's so easy. I know. Um, yeah, this is not easy. This is a lot. A lot goes into this. But you know, I have been around um, Rev Three and Challenge, and I have. I wanted to put this on my resume as something to experience, like directing an event. Um, mm -hmm. And I have really good people to lean on and get information from through Rev3 slash challenge now. So yeah, that's cool. That's cool. I'm proud of yep. you. Congratulations. Yeah. Race director. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. I know. It's so cool. <laughs> so I hope uh, people look into doing that event, especially if they're in the Massachusetts area. Yeah, but you'll take people from all over, even from Texas, even from the country, oh, yeah, even from out from of Texas. country, including Texas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we'll even pay for their um, homestay the night in between the two days. Not all Texans, though. Just no, some. we do that for everyone who does the event, but. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cool. All right. We'll stay on all the right. line and, and uh, you and I can say bye after we uh, hang up. Cool? Okay. Okay. All right. Over. How was that? Over. <laughs> It was awesome. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Holistic Guru on Twitter. I absolutely love talking to her. She is so much fun. She takes a little while to get rolling, and then the chaos just unfolds. She's oh, so cool. And also, if you want to do something cool, I want you to check out Chris Haig Racing, H-A-G-U-E, ChrisHaigRacing.com. He is a really good friend of mine. He's been on the show a bunch. He's a young, fantastically fast and talented and very well-spoken and enthusiastic triathlete that has started up his own coaching. 
I am so proud of him and so happy for him. And I think he's he's out on the West Coast, out in the Los Angeles area. But you can hit him up online, Chris Haig Racing. He hopped on to help sponsor some Zentri episodes so that we can get his name out there. I promise you one conversation with this guy and you will become a believer forever. He is so nice, so great, so enthusiastic, so sharp. He used to run for the University of the South. Blah, I need to say that better. University of the South in Sewanee. I did spend the night there and checked out their swim team when I was looking at swim teams in college. It's a beautiful, beautiful campus up on the Cumberland Plateau. And also, yeah, uh, we've raced together at uh, Galveston and... I think he was considering going pro. I don't know if he actually went pro or not. But Chris is super, super great and super on top of things and very, very sharp. And I want you to go check him out. Again, chrishagracing.com. All right, let's go ahead and get started with the training log. We're going to mix in some emails and how to do some time trialing all kinds of cool stuff like that. Let's go ahead and get started. Here we go. You are entering the Zentrite training log zone. Funelli. Hi, everybody. My name's Brett. I'm a trapeze. I decided it's time I got some friends more suited to my status. But Joe, we've been friends for years. Hey. We all make mistakes. Come on, dudes, let's go exercise! Exercise! Yeah! I'm gonna do sit-ups till I poop myself! All right, we're gonna do something really cool in this episode of The Training Log. Instead of taking the mic with me all over town while I go and train and fit stuff together, which is a lot of fun, I actually like it, and I like giving you the sounds of, of where I am out there, but it's also, you know, driving around in the car. I used to take the mic with me out on the bike, and while running, I'll still, I'll still do the running sometimes, but on the tri-bike holding the mic, and I uh, mean, it is really, really tough. And I've learned over the years to spend my time actually working out instead of just lazily cruising around the countryside and zone one and zone two. After Kai came along and then got older, my son, um, I really can't afford to do uh, endless bike rides around the countryside. Uh, I need my time. So we need to actually record uh, more efficiently and compact some stuff in. So what I'm going to do this episode is I'm going to read you some highlights of what I did the past week and tell you, yeah, what I did and how and why. And then this will translate, hopefully, over to you so that you can get some ideas on how to mix up your training and add some stuff in, take some stuff out, and do all kinds of cool stuff and improve yourself even more than what uh, you were even hoping for, hopefully, hopefully hopefully.com. All right, let's go ahead and start with um, about a week ago, June 1st. We had um, a nice little run with the dog, and the story with the dog is, I've got this big black lab I talk about all the time, and he actually needs to run, kind of like I need to run, and if he doesn't run, um, he gets fat, even though he doesn't eat all that much. i got a greyhound that if she doesn't run, nothing happens, but if uh, this dog doesn't run, he starts putting on weight. So uh, one way to get yourself running, and this is what I did when I first got into triathlon, was uh, I got a dog. 
And it's a good motivation to go run. That dog looking at you with those uh, sad puppy eyes with his leash in his mouth saying, I want to go run like that. That'll get you finally out the door. So took him for a run. Um, I remember on this run, I had a stomach pain. And what had happened was I had sprinkled a little bit of fiber. You can get uh, psyllium husk, which is like corn husk uh, fiber. And I sprinkled a little bit on my food because I just read an article reminding me about how fiber is so critical uh, to your diet. And uh, that's a fantastic way to keep your weight down. But anyway, I overdid it. And it does not take much at all to overdo it. I just sprinkled some on there and then ended up making my stomach hurt really, really bad while I was running from gas, from things uh, getting backed up. And at one point, I walked off into a uh, driveway and some trees, put my butt up in the air and my chest on the ground. I was on my hands and knees, and uh, but put my chest on the ground. So my butt was pointed up and gas will bubble up out your butt which is uh, a quick fix, but very stupid looking. So just don't get in that situation. But anyway, if you're out on a run and your guts hurt like that from gas, um, try that trick. Just do it away from people or else they'll, uh, somebody will call an ambulance or something. You don't need that because you just got gas. That's it. And um, I uh, also did a swim that morning. This is a Monday because the day before I'd done a, a lot of biking. And there's a way to swim that is really good for your legs to recover. You can do a pull boy between your legs, one of those pieces of foam, so that you don't kick. Or if you grew up on swim teams, then uh, you don't really need one that much. So basically, you just don't kick all that much and, uh, or hardly at all and just swim with your upper body and swim really relaxed. And that is uh, really good for your legs. The pressure on your legs from the water pressure and the soothing action of the water going over your legs actually helps your legs recover faster, but you have to not kick. And um, that ended up being uh, 7.3 miles running for the day and uh, 3,600, 3,650 yards uh, swimming in the morning. And then at lunch to get out of the office, I went and lifted weights. And what I do is I do like three or four things and I do like uh, two days on of lifting weights and a couple days off, two days on, a couple days off, something like that. I just kind of spread it out. I use it mostly just to get out of the office and do something in the middle of the day. I do not like sitting at a desk uh, eight to five without doing something active whatsoever. And uh, if you can get a, a gym membership nearby, and I'll swing by Freebirds and pick up a burrito, and uh, I eat really healthy burritos full of veggies, and... Uh, yeah, I'll uh, swing by the gym, and that day I just did biceps, triceps, hamstrings, and calves, and for example, and I just did three sets of each, and then on Tuesday, I uh, went for another run, and in my notes, it says last run for a few days, because this is Tuesday, and on Thursday, I was going to do time trials. Oh, no, no, no. The reason I did this was because Tawny... I was giving me crap about too much running days in a row, so I was going to throw in a rest day, and uh, so this was going to be my last run uh, before I do no running for a little bit, and uh, just an easy jog with the dog, um, again, 7.18 miles, and it's about an hour, hour and change, no, yeah, well, hour nine, and it's just easy pace, and um, 
because I got time trials on Thursday, and I was really looking forward to uh, nailing another uh, good time trial dose so I can uh, make sure my FTP is going up, which I'll get to in a minute. And um, went and lifted weights again at, at lunch and uh, alternated. Um, no, I didn't go. Um, actually, I interviewed uh, with Tawny, I think, that day. And so I skipped it. And Tawny and I have been talking a lot about me skipping uh, workouts. And uh, yeah, so I just skipped it. I just did nothing. I did that run in the morning, and that was it. And it's okay, because I'm kind of tapering for this time trial, right? I'm starting to slack off a little bit a couple days before the TT. And that way I get a really, really good race out of it. And then Wednesday... I uh, interviewed Christine Lynch at lunch, and I think, oh, and I went and swam in the morning, and that was about it. Um, that one, I swam uh, a little bit um, a little bit faster pace, I guess, because I was uh, feeling pretty good, and I hadn't done much uh, the day before, just a run, and like I said, I skipped a workout the day before, so now I'm going to the pool and swimming, and I knocked out... 4,000 yards <laughs> in uh, one hour, and I actually uh, ate. But I've, I've really started tweaking my diet to get off of the simple sugars, and it's working. I really want to talk about this. So before this, and uh, before a lot of these workouts, just having a little bit of peanut butter, I got that idea from Chrissy Wellington, like a spoonful of peanut butter a little while before the workout and then a bite of an Amrita bar. And Amrita bars, let's go ahead and throw in a sponsor mention with them because I swam 4,000 yards in an hour, <laughs> which is fantastic. It's almost a full Ironman swim, uh, feeling just great. And I don't think, oh, I did mix in some sweet spot intervals. So sweet spot is just a little bit below your threshold, and I didn't even time them, and I never even stopped. I just uh, just went continuously and then... Uh, uh, you know, when I've been a few minutes kind of going hard, uh, just go back to swimming easy again. And it says in here, mostly easy swimming with a few sweet spot intervals mixed in, just chilling and keeping, oh, and swimming slow, mostly. And I think I, yeah, I had a, uh, Amrita recovery bar. They have a chocolate maca flavored recovery bar that is so good too. So let's give Amrita, a little bit of a shout out and read off some of their sponsor information. They've been a sponsor of Zentri for so long and they are absolutely critical to my diet. They give us 15% off if you order Amrita bars online with discount code ZEN, all capital letters Z E N, and you get them at amritahealthfoods.com. What they are are basically a date based bar with seeds. And a little bit of fat in there, and they are incredible. There's a little bit of cardamom in them, in them, which is a spice which settles the stomach, and they have all kinds of flavors, and uh, they're vegan, and there's uh, no nuts in them, so if you have a nut allergy, they're really good. They digest really easily, but they're also very uh, slow carb because there's a good bit of fiber in them. So they take a little while to digest. So it doesn't hit you really fast. And that's what I've been working on. So you could do like a dollop. 
yeah, dollop, dollop, dollop of peanut butter, like a spoon of peanut butter, and half of an Amrita bar uh, before you hop in your car to drive to the pool. And you too can swim 4,000 yards in an hour, theoretically, or maybe more. Who knows? Did you swim for Stanford? If you did, then you could do 5,000. All right. So go check them out at amritahealthfoods.com. Again, 15% off with discount code ZEN. I love sponsors that I actually use. And that is just like sound probiotics at the top of the show too. work really hard on this podcast, uh, only taking on sponsors of uh, people that I use so I can fold them into the show so the ads don't get annoying and they're actually relevant. I love doing that for you guys. All right, let's go back to the training log. Where to go? I managed to click away from it like a dummy. There we go. Okay. And then... Thursday. All right. Here's the time trials of doom. (laughs) This was so awesome. Um, I hadn't run since Tuesday. So I went ahead and I was feeling itchy and wanted to go run. So I ran again with the dog, but I'd taken a day off in between, uh, which for me is a lot because I'm so used to running almost every day that a day off from running uh, relative to what I'd been doing uh, was a nice actual break. And even though I was going to do a time trial at night, an easy jog, very easy jog with the dog, uh, 6.8 miles in the morning. And then we turned around that evening and did a time trial. Now, this is where I want to get into how to do a really good FTP test. Okay. Basically, FTP, functional threshold power, that's the number of watts that you can put out for an hour. And you can guesstimate it different ways, but the best way is, of course, power meter. And then you have, base, honestly, the, the full-on way to get a power meter test, uh, an FTP test, is to ride uh, for an hour as, as hard as you possibly can. Now, that's stupid, because if you did that, you are going to be devastated for many days and you are going to uh, ruin your training for a while. It's basically a full-on race and your your training density is going to get all screwed up. You're not going to be able to train for a while effectively because you're too tired. So what people do are 10-minute tests, 20-minute tests, 4-minute tests, and also you can do any distance really and use formulas to kind of figure out what uh, your what you would have been able to hold for an hour based on what you did for that uh, segment of time. So like uh, if you did a 20-minute all-out ride, then you would get, uh, I think you multiply that by 95%, not I think, I know. You multiply that by 95% and that's um, your hour. And then if you do a half-hour test, you multiply it by 97, 98%. It's also called a CP test when it hits a half-hour. call it critical power. And I'm just giving you all kinds of acronyms here. So the, um, the thing to know is a lot of people do the test wrong. And one way to do it wrong is to do it on a trainer um, because basically you want a number that's going to reflect what the race is actually like. Um, like your Ironman race is going to be like. And the problem is, is if you pedal on flat ground, you'll actually get a result that's a little bit higher than, uh, you'll get a higher FTP number. You can actually put out more watts pedaling on flat ground than you do going downhill. And then you put out an even bigger number pointed uphill than you do on flat ground. 
So if your FTP test does not have rolling terrain in it, you're going to get a number that's artificially high. And you don't want that because let's say you get an FTP number of 250, right? And then you say, okay, I'm going to ride, um, let's say it's a 100 just to be simple. Uh, And in Ironman, you want to ride, let's say like 72% of your 100 uh, FTP. Well, that's 72 watts, right? And your, um, but you did this FTP test all uphill, right? And well, your, <laughs> your race is going to have downhills on it and you can't put out that much power going downhill. And so your, your numbers just don't relate and you're going to end up go, thinking that your power is, that you're better than you actually are. And this is a real problem because people will go out and take these tests and try to get a better result um, to make themselves feel better. You know, you can, uh, I remember Sammy Inkinen did like 395 watts going uphill up Mount Diablo for an hour or something like that. I forgot exactly the details of it. Well, that's 395 watts going uphill. Sorry, had a phone call, but on flat ground, uh, Sammy Inkinen's number would be more like 380 or I don't know. I'm just guessing, but it's not 395 because you can crank out way more watts going uphill. Um, than you can on flat or rolling. So now he's got an artificially high number, 395 as his FTP. Now he's going to go out and try to ride uh, Ironman Texas, for example, and he thinks his FTP is 395, so he rides at a percentage of that, ends up being too high, and then he ends up uh, biking too hard, right? So when you go out and do a time trial test, uh, when you go out and do an FTP test on your bike, you want to do it on rolling terrain. And I learned this from Gordo Byrne. You want to do this on rolling terrain, and you want to do it on terrain that's uh, very similar, if possible, to the race that you're going to be, your A race, that you're actually trying to get these numbers to use. And there's actually a time trial course. Oh, and I'm trying to think, is there anything else that you want to make it like... No, that's pretty good. Uh, well, you you want to warm up. I'm gonna get to that in a minute and stuff like that. So that you know, it's you get the best result out of your body. And um, if you do an FTP test and you're not really well rested, well, your numbers are going to be artificially low. And there's a lot of these things where you know it doesn't technically ruin the test. You just got to account for these things, and you can slide the numbers up and down and back and forth. And um, and once you start really learning this kind of stuff with uh, power meters, it's uh, there's a whole lot online that you can study and learn about it, and you can uh, really get good at knowing your numbers and where you are, and study your um, your results, uh, and your you can sample sections of your uh, workout graphs. And kind of say, you know, like where you felt good and where you didn't and make sure it's rolling terrain and, uh, you know, like uh, and out and back. Actually, that's also what I did is uh, for this time trial is perfect. That's what I wanted to add. And because um, it takes into account wind both directions, right, or no wind or tailwind, you know, whatever the wind you got, you're, you're getting it to your face and to your back. Um, which over a race and a triathlon, you're going to get that as well, too. I mean, it's just awesome awesome to do it the way that I did it. I was so happy. Still somehow on slow twitch, I managed to get some guy 
that wanted to argue with me over a couple of watts or the thing saying I didn't uh, do it right or something. And I was just like, man, dude, you are making slow twitch look bad by uh, picking away at somebody over something that uh, doesn't even matter to you, dude. Like, leave people alone, you know? Anyway, let's uh, go back to the uh, time trial. Um, I, the time trial was set to start at 6.30. Actually, probably didn't go until 6.45 because people kind of hang around, whatever. So I rode my bike there. And um, the week before when I did the time trial, I did not ride my bike there. Kai went with me, and it's a little bit of a sketchy ride down the side of a highway. So we put the bikes on the car, and we rode there. And only got like a few minutes warm up before the race. And that's not very good. You want like 15, 20, 30 minutes warm up before you do an FTP test. That way your legs are, are nice and loose and, and uh, you got your uh, you got your system, you know, primed. You've already started sweating. That's a really good indicator. You're sweating, you get uh, a few spin-ups going and you just feel loose and uh, yeah, you just totally warmed up. And uh, there's different protocols online. People argue over like the best way to do it. Just do it the best way that's for you and be consistent. But then the... Um, uh, a week ago, when I did this with Kai with almost no warm up, I did uh, 200. I did an outback time trial and did 299 watts, I think. And, um, or no, I did 300 watts for the 30 minutes. Um, hit the lap button as takeoff and the lap button when you stop, and then look at the uh, normalized power over the uh, last lap. Man, I'm getting really deep into this stuff. Normalized power is a formula that Training Peaks came up with, I think, that uh, is applied against what you did, and it takes into account surging. And so if you if you slam it in the gear and accelerate really hard, actually, that has a higher toll on your body, and it can tell, and it, um, it increases your wattage just like a little bit of what it thinks you did. So that's called normalized power instead of just power power. And that's actually, uh, if your race has got a lot of climbing and surging and, and accelerating and stuff like that, you actually want to take that into, that's actually your better power number than just uh, power power. And let's see, oh, the other thing is you want to do, if possible, you want to get your FTP test from a race because your adrenaline's going because you're actually in competition. And that is different than just out going by yourself. You'll actually get a few percentage points higher than uh, if you were... Uh, sorry, my cat just came up to me and started licking my arm. Dude, are you hungry? Anyway, <laughs> distracted me totally. The uh, squirrel. Um, so that's why I was really excited about doing these time trials. And I really wanted a good number after um, Ironman Texas uh, after, you know, backing off the training just a little bit and then, um, getting, starting doing some of these time trials to get one, to get an FTP number, but also if you engineer your week correctly and you make everything in your week, uh, work towards getting an even higher number the next week, what you are doing is you are increasing your bike power your bike fitness week after week after week theoretically you can take a break you know you do like two weeks on one week off to recover um but when you have an opportunity like this <laughs> uh 20k which is 12 and a half miles time trial once a week uh just a few miles from your house um in the afternoon and 
it's just like it's unbelievable opportunity and it's a race situation it one it gives you awesome numbers to try to calculate your ftp with and then uh two it gives you an awesome opportunity to increase your bike fitness and get better on the bike dramatically quickly and um I went into it just super, super excited about being able to do all this. And the other thing is I've done this. These time trials go on um, every summer, and they have for 10 years or something like that. And I go and do them, and what I've noticed is that I would do it uh, the first week that I would go out. Um, I'd really struggle and my numbers would be horrible. And then the next week I'd go out, my numbers would be better. And then I'd get all excited and train a bunch. And then my third week out, my numbers would be worse. Uh, back down again because I'm tired because I'm training and um, too much or not, not ideally, you know, and for this. And I said, this summer, I'm going to be smart and use these time trials, this present that's been given to me of competition on a weekly basis for an awesome workout, I'm going to use it and try to use it to increase uh, my, improve myself on the bike. It's just a gift. It's so great. And also Kai can go do them. He did the uh, first one with me. And um, right out of the bat, on the, the very first one I did uh, a week ago was um, I managed to slam my heart rate really, really high um, unlike previous years, right off the bat, and it's because I do interval work in my training. I do polarized style training, and there's a uh, nice mix of VO2 max work in there, which lifts your heart rate. And if you don't do it on occasion, your body's not used to it, and your body has a, a built-in limiter. It doesn't know how to do it, and it takes a few races for your heart rate to get up. But both of these races, uh, as soon as I took off, heart rate just went through the roof, but uh, in a good way. Like uh, it was able to feed the uh, feed the body and uh, really hammer it. And also, my cadence was super high, and uh, everything was just fantastic. So, uh, took off, and uh, because I won the first week, they let me go last the uh, the second week, the week that we're talking about, and I won again. And uh, the winning, you know, that's that's nice. Whatever, they're really small. It's like ten people, but the um, there's some really good people there. And I've never won before ever in my entire life, and now I got two weeks in a row of winning. And this is on the uh, first week was no fuel. How about that? The stuff that Tony and I've been working on, no sugary fuel. I go out and do a full on time trial. <laughs> <laughs> and on no fuel and win and i set a pr for uh, threshold watts functional threshold power and it just goes to show um how much uh, what i'm doing is working and fixing uh my uh, workout metabolism i'm super happy and then uh this week when i went out and did it uh not only did i do 300 watts but i did 309 watts normalized power and of course, somebody on slow twitch tries to argue with me about that. It's just like, my God, dude, cut it out. And uh, what happened was I looked down when I hit the the uh, the lap button as I crossed the finish line. It said 309, normalized power. And then whatever it uploaded was like 308 or something like that. And then if you look at watts, watts, it's like 305. But really, what you, the number you should go by is your normalized power. And the um, because of the surge of the start and the... Uh, the um, 
the hills and the, trying to pass people and stuff like that. So normalized power is way better. And let's see. Um, yeah, and there was a turnaround with another surge uh, acceleration trying to get out of there. Um, so basically, I am completely over the moon uh, with how uh, my training is going by scaling back and cutting back on a whole bunch of stuff and uh, working on the nutrition and getting rid of the sugary stuff. My problem seems to be the sugary stuff right before and uh, during the uh, workouts uh, really messes up my metabolism uh, overall throughout the rest of my day because the rest of my day, I eat super, super healthy. I eat well-rounded meals. I'm trying to not do any kind of extreme kind of diet and just eat well-rounded meals because I've got vitiligo on my face, which is an autoimmune uh, thing where your body's like pissed off at the melanin and it's a sign of stress. So it's just like well-rounded meals, eat some scrambled eggs with salsa, fruits, veggies, and bread and grains, and uh, but just keep it middle of the road and really clean and really whole foods and really healthy, nothing crazy, and then get the simple sugar out of my. Um, that way, it's like low stress, and then it's easy to do, and what we should eat, and then uh, and nothing extreme, right? Not trying to go like crazy low carb or crazy high fat or anything like that. Just nice and mellow, and I just went to the. Um, skin doctor today, the dermatologist, and it looks like my vitiligo is kind of reversing itself. And it has been for a little while, for a couple of months. And uh, we're taking pictures and looking at it. And it's, oh, I was so excited. My diet is totally working. I don't want to mess with it. And um, for uh, f- the, the results that I got, uh, best ever race results, no bonking, uh, simple sugar out of my... Um, and what I'd done is I'd let simple sugars kind of creep into my pre-workout and my work, the start of my workout. Now, um, and then what that's done is, is like mess up my, te- my metabolism while I'm actually training and racing. And um, by getting that out of there, what I did do is on uh, this Thursday's um, time trial, because I rode there and it was about half an hour riding there, what and and I've done this in a whole bunch of workouts now. Is I've figured out that if it's a longer workout, like I went for a long bike ride on Saturday, if it's a longer workout, that I wait until I warm up. This is a tip for everybody. You wait until you warm up, right? And now your body's going, okay, I'm gonna you know burn a sufficient amount of fat. You know, there's no simple sugars in me, so I'm gonna start reaching into some fat stores after you warm up and you break a sweat. We're talking like 15, 20 minutes in. You can tell then you can start uh, your fueling like uh, Gatorade or whatever and uh, whatever you use. And man, that seems to be really working with me. And that's what I, that's what I want to work with for a while. Okay. After the time trial, I was so happy that I had um, increased my threshold now to, to uh, uh, Strava has a uh, power curve on it. And you can... Um, you have to buy Strava Pro, but it'll calculate your FTP based on all kinds of uh, uh, rides and stuff that you've been doing. You can mess with the graphs and get you know last year's FTP, and it's super super cool and super easy to use. I really like it. It's totally worth it uh, for the for the Strava Pro, and Garmin will upload to it automatically, and uh, you can just roll over there and check it out and check out your FTP. And the um, there's a there's a button you hit to uh, 
auto-calculate FTP. And then um, I got home, verified it, and was like, holy cow, that is super, super cool. And then went out and bought a six-pack of pale ale <laughs> and drank two of them that night. <laughs> Because I was celebrating and I'm cutting back on my training. And so I was like, and it's working. So I'm like, I'm going to have a couple of beers. And I made a couple of blog posts this week about where I came from and how messed up I used to be with uh, smoking and drinking and other stuff that shall not be named that I do not want to get into. Um, So I really don't drink anymore, um, except on rare occasion. Uh, One beer every uh, couple weeks or so would probably be the average. But um, I was borderline alcoholic. Uh, I probably was, you know, binge drinker college, like big, big, big time. And uh, I had somebody, one of my best friends from college, comment on my blog. And he said, dude, you didn't, you're not even letting on about how much you used to drink. And I smoked cigarettes like a pack a day for almost uh, 10 years. And uh, I've overcome all those things. And I never wrote a book about it or anything like that because I really don't view it all that spectacular. And... Um, Lots and lots of people have uh, fixed themselves from being a mess, and uh, it's the ones that you know have done something really incredible afterwards that are notable and should go around talking about it. And me, you know, I just uh, I went back to being um, the way we should be. I didn't do anything. I didn't go to the moon or anything like that. So I never really I don't talk about it much on the show. Plus, I'm not all that proud of it. So anyway, um, I do drink beer on rare occasion as a celebration and I love pale ales and uh, so I went and got a I went bought a six pack of pale ale and celebrated with either one or two I forgot and then uh, hit the sack and in the morning when I woke up on Friday morning I was so happy with what had happened that I had this um, the night the night before with doing so well and increasing my FTP on the bike to three hundred watts. I was like, wow, that's a threshold number, you know, like a breakthrough number for me. My whole life, it's never been that high. And I was, uh, I had that feeling, um, I've, I've told Tawny, like if I go surfing for a long time, I get like this high feeling, you know, it's an endorphin dopamine kind of just like, ah, and I feel really good for uh, a couple days afterwards. That's how I felt on Friday morning. And I had a lot of energy. I was really excited. I woke up, boom, you know, 4.30 in the morning, like ready to go, go do something. So I went and swam. But uh, the swim, uh, and I, I picked swimming instead of running or biking, you know, to give my legs a break. Um, the swim, I could tell that um, I needed to burn off some energy because I was happy and it was a good time, you know, and to, to, um, to do something uh, to make me feel good. But I kept it super easy because I could tell the slightest bit of, um, of fatigue in my breathing. Uh, that is one way that you can tell that if you're, um, you need to take a break and um, uh, really watch what you're doing and be really careful or at least slow down is if you get up in the morning and start walking around, the very slightest hint of trying to catch your breath um, just from getting up and walking around, that's my indicator that like, whoa, you did something big yesterday. You need to uh, slow it down. So I went to the pool and swam, but I didn't do much with it, you know. And then um, then I went and uh, lifted weights at lunch to get out of the office, and I did only two things in the gym. I went and did triceps and quads, 
and uh, and just lightly, and just to get out of the office and uh, do something uh, with myself. <laughs> Sometimes I say self, self say, huh? Anyway, um, I want to tell you about something I'm drinking, by the way, right now. I'll drink away from the mic. It'll be all right. Mm. Actually, I think I need to stir that. Matcha powder. You can order it on Amazon. Just order whatever brand. The most common brand is really good. And just buy, um, there's culinary grade and then there's uh, ceremonial grade. Uh, culinary grade is a little bit less quality. I guess you could get ceremonial if you were like really into it. But um, it's basically green tea. It is green tea. It's green tea leaves, but they're powdered. And you mix it with water and you drink it like green tea. Um, but instead of getting water with chemicals, uh, the good chemicals, we're talking about green tea chemicals, actually good for your teeth because green tea has fluoride in it. And uh, yeah, it's actually good for your teeth, better for your teeth than, um, than coffee for sure. And, um, but now because it's powdered, pulverized, it's like real fine powder, uh, green tea, you're getting the fiber. Fiber's good for you. Um, I actually, and now you can spoon it. And I add spoonfuls of matcha powder to um, bottles to go work out with, you know, add a little bit of caffeine to, uh, to my workout. And I think like one teaspoon is like 70 milligrams of caffeine in it, something like that. Anyway, it's really nice. So there's another little tip for you. And um, let's see, that evening was Friday evening. Emily was out of town and I normally would have gone for a run Friday evening, but I skipped that. And um, because my legs were pretty trash from the day before. Oh, and I could tell when I was uh, swimming in the morning and lifting weights, I was like, dude, you've done enough. You don't need to go run. And so I skipped that. And then, um, okay, now Saturday and Sunday, I took notes from the playbook of Matt Hansen. Matt Hansen is the guy that won uh, Ironman Texas, and he posted a bit of his training log online, like a typical week, and I noticed something that was really, really good. Um, long bike ride one day on the weekend and a long run the other. And that's pretty much what he does. That's all. Oh, and then, uh, the day he does the run, I think he does a swim, but these pros, I got an interview coming up with, um, I've already recorded it with Mike Hermanson. And, uh, we talk about the swim, uh, the, on the pro level, these guys have to swim their asses off. So they need to swim a lot. And as an age grouper, we don't really need to swim as much because it's not so critical because we don't need to keep up with a pack once we get out of the swim and onto the bike. So um, he, w- he swims like six days a week. Uh, so he threw the swim in on the same day that he does his long weekend run. And that's not really necessary for us. So uh, you could either do it or not. I guess kind of depends on what you feel. But um, long bike ride on one day, long run on the other. And uh, that's it. And you know what? It made me think. Um, and it's really funny because I only do this to myself. All the people that I coach, I don't do this to them. But somehow over time, um, and this is what's so nice about having somebody else like Tawny looking at the, uh, the training log is because um, she, she looks, she's got access to my uh, training peaks training log. And uh, this thing where she said, you're running like nine days in a row, you dumbass, you know? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, so? He's like, that's stupid. And I'm like, yeah, I think that is kind of stupid. Why am I doing that? You know? Um, and the, uh, the uh, thing I wasn't doing was uh, a long run. And I think that really held me back at Ironman Texas, even though 
Um, I've done lots, lots of long runs in my life. Um, and uh, somehow in my training schedule, I managed to be skimping. What I was doing was a longish ride on Saturday and then a run, and then a longish ride on Sunday and then a run. But both of those runs were kind of uh, short and not like an hour, hour and a half. And um, yeah, just kind of get to Ironman Texas. And even though I've run 50 milers and all kinds of crap like that, the um, and I can run like the Dickens and uh, I can run long, um, no problem. Um, I could tell when I was doing that half Ironman that I would be better off if I'd been doing um, a, uh, a long run uh, once a week. And just a, just a couple months um, before Ironman Texas, I did because people people love taking little bits out of this podcast and going crazy with them. Uh, no long runs, no. <laughs> I uh, earlier this year I did twenty uh, something miles, like twenty two miles, like two or three days in a row. And uh, hello, I'm back. Let's make sure this is still recording. Yeah, okay, I hope so. That was Emily. She just called. Uh, she's type one diabetic, and she had a rough day today. Um, she started running a little bit more. Um, and what that does is it fires up your metabolism and she's not, her body's not, she's not used to taking the right amount of insulin for that. She needs to take less insulin because her body's burning off, uh, more, um, blood sugar because her metabolism's rubbing up from doing the extra running. And, uh, so she actually had a low blood sugar attack at work. She was telling me about it. It's a little scary. Um, going to a coma or pass out. I was, I don't know. Um, I'd have to look it up. Uh, oh, so the matcha, matcha powder mm. in my coffee. Hold on. Mm. Not in my coffee. I guess you totally could. No, um, put a coffee cup in the microwave, heat it up, or just do hot water, really hot. You can do whatever temperature you want. You can do ice water. Uh, and then do a little spoonful of uh, matcha powder in there, the green tea, and then you got yourself some green tea. Instead of brewing a, a teacup or whatever, you get the fiber and uh, all that good stuff. Anyway, um, Earlier this year, I did like two or three 22-mile runs in a row, and then a week later, ran 50 miles, you know? So it's like, yeah, uh, a lot of long running is, um, a lot of being able to run long is the mental side and being confident that you can run long and then doing it so you pace yourself. But after those uh, long runs in that race, I... um, I was like, uh, oh, and then like uh, a year ago, I met, it came up on uh, the show with Tawny. Um, I did, I worked my way up from like 60 something miles over many weeks to 103 miles a week. You know, like 100 and then 101 and then 102 and then 103 and then backed it back down to uh, do the Rocky Raccoon 100. So I've got a lot of experience running really, really long. So um, I just uh, kind of let it slip out of my training schedule a little bit and haven't done uh, any long runs lately. And I'm like, man, I need to get back to doing that. And the um, so on Saturday, I did a long ride, which really excited about that. And then on Sunday, a uh, long run. And actually, I've been doing the long run on Sundays um, for or on the weekends for a few weeks now. And I guess I'll get to that in a second. Um, the uh, long ride on Saturday, 
the guy that I'm just barely, barely beating in the time trials, uh, he's getting second, I'm getting first, is, um, so basically, I beat him by two seconds, right? So we're, we're exactly the same speed. And I'm, I'm just lucky, he could be faster than me. And the, um, he asked if he could go riding with me uh, on Saturday. And it uh, turns out, I really like this guy. He is really friendly and he's super talky. He talks over me which you would think would be impossible, but uh, uh, it's just the best ever. So uh, we met up and went for a ride, and we're riding around all these Texas countryside roads, uh, and uh, he's apparently got no uh, care whatsoever about safety, so he's riding next to me, so we were riding side by side, <laughs> pissing off traffic, and I'm like, as long as I'm off to the right, maybe I won't get hit. I try, you know, try to say something, but he's like 48 or 50 years old, you know, he's a grown ass man. So I'm like, uh, yeah, he's been riding this way his whole life all over the world. And I'm not, uh, he's from California and Brazil and, uh, it's Portuguese. And yeah, I mean like it just goes on and on. So he, uh, uh, however he wants to ride is how he wants to ride. He sails through intersections, just happy, you know, seems to me to be very European because I don't know many South Americans, so maybe it's just Brazilian to just sail through intersections and just smile and wave. <laughs> I slow down and kind of make sure that it's all good and that there's no cops because of that ticket I got uh, last year. That pissed me off. Um, but anyway, so we went riding, and I wanted to try a really long ride um, on Infinite Fuel. And I did the custom blend on Infinite. You can add the amount of protein and caffeine and stuff like that and salt. So mine's got a little bit more salt because it's so hot around here. And a little bit of protein, but a little bit low. Plus, I don't even really need it because I can just add Hornet juice, uh, which I really prefer for protein and then amino acids. And then um, and I was doing – I made up a batch that was about 350 calories per hour, and I mixed it all into one bottle. And – uh, Infinite's famous for um, being uh, so digestible. You can actually, you know, do a concentrate model uh, better. You have better results than you do with the competition. And uh, before we took off on the ride, a couple hours before the ride, I had, uh, I think I made some notes, scrambled eggs with salsa, a little bit of coconut oil in my coffee. And I don't do the butter in my coffee. It does taste great, but I just do coconut oil. And I take fish oil pills, like cod liver oil kind of stuff and um capsules so i had a couple of those and oh and before we took off on the ride i was feeling like i needed a little bit of carbs it was like an hour before so i ate some mucilix there's mucilix uh cereal that has no sugar added whatsoever it's whole oats and dried fruit and nuts and stuff like that in it and so that with the scrambled eggs and all the uh, oil and whatever it was a really nice well-rounded mix of um oh and coconut milk i think of you know carbs and fat and protein and all kinds of good stuff so we took off on the ride and in my notes here i've got something that says one of the best rides of my entire life reality now matching imagination equals satisfaction rode with a new buddy chatting side by side almost the entire way that kept things at a conversational pace that's critical by the way conversational pace dude would not be quiet and I liked it and we talked about motorcycles and raising kids and South America and uh, California and Texas we talked about all kinds of stuff uh, for basically three and a half hours and um, 
that kept me from overfueling, actually, of all things, and um, was putting out like 225 watts or something, uh, just riding along, uh, talking with this guy, and um, it kept me from overthinking, which is nice. With the uh, the uh, Dao De Ching, which we were going to talk a little bit about on this episode, I don't know if we're going to get to that. Um, less is more. So I was doing, um, I wasn't paying so much attention to, uh, I wasn't overthinking. And that goes back to the power meter numbers and such where you don't want to overthink stuff too much. And um, you want to do like stuff that's like the, the you know, it's going to be the race. And if you know your power meter numbers, sometimes you chase them too hard. And that's why I uh, rounded down my, uh, my functional threshold power for Ironman Texas. I didn't want to overthink it. It's like it's probably 280, 290, I don't know what it is, uh, probably right around there. I don't want to overthink it. I really knew, you know, kind of, it was, you know, in a really tight range of about 10 numbers or so. And that's enough, man. You know, you don't want to overthink it and then round down a little bit. So you really don't overthink it. And then you're going on the safe side. So you have a nice run. So you don't overbike a little bit. Um, and the, uh, the next thing was, after about three and a half hours, he started getting tired, and but just barely, right? He hasn't done a long ride in a long in a while, and I just you know came off of Ironman Texas and some other stuff, training for Ironman Texas with uh, I'd gotten up to like a four four and a half hour ride before that, and um, so he got in my draft, and then boom, we're just cruising along like a train. Now he's not next to me anymore, right? So I rode for like forty five minutes with him. Uh, behind me and so i'm kind of in a way by myself and then he peeled off and then i rode the rest of the uh ride which i ended up doing four hours and four minutes i ended up doing the rest of the ride 85 miles um by myself right and guess what i started doing i started overfueling because i started overthinking things and my stomach started to hurt and i had to slow down and uh, drink more water to dilute the fuel because I was drinking it too fast. And up until then, I was fine when I had the guy sitting there talking next to me, talking away and talking away, and uh, we're talking about Ducatis. Oh, my God, it was so great. And uh, when we were talking, I was fine. But when I was left to my own devices, I started overthinking and overfueling, and then also the heat. Oh, my God, the heat picked up, and um, I'm talking like brutally hot. And then uh, you need even more water because you're losing water to uh, sweat. And that's when my stomach started to hurt. So I slowed down the pace, which is hard to do because once you start sucking, guess what you start trying to do? You start trying to speed up or put more effort to keep from uh, slowing down, right? And then I'm like, I've learned. You flip that around and go, uh, if you're out in the heat, I'm going to talk about that on the run on Sunday too. Um, slow down. And that way, you got more water available to digest your food and to, and to keep you cool. And the um, actually started recovering up from that tiny little slump and uh, started doing great again at the very, very end. And um, ended up riding four hours and five minutes, 404.59, you know, one second for that guy that picks, tries to pick on people about the watts. And then uh, about one watt. And then the... Uh, uh, let's see, there was something in here, 20.9 miles per hour. It's rolling terrain. It wasn't very windy or anything, but just rolling terrain and, uh, 20.9 and there was Watts in here somewhere. Uh, 
Average power was only 216, but I think with um, normalized power, it was a little bit higher, uh, maybe 220, something like that. Uh, so it was nice, really, really, really nice. And I was happy to, to meet a new training buddy. I went out on a limb and decided to uh, work out with somebody, which was so nice. Um, my town's really small, and it's really hard to find somebody that's my speed to bike with. And this was great. Then we start texting each other. <laughs> so I've, I've got a new best friend. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> um, he's texting me from like the, uh, the running shoe store, like, what shoes do you have and all this stuff? Because he wants to get back into running. He's mostly a cyclist right now, but he's done some triathlons. And um, I think he's a much better runner than I am. And it was great. Uh, so then a four out, Emily asked when I got home, are you going to go for a run? Because she just figured I would. And Kai's out of town this week. And I said, nope, skipping it not doing it. I'm working on doing less. Normally I'd go for a run or something like that. After that, uh, you know, like a brick. Nope. Going to skip it. And, uh, Matt Hansen, when he posted his, uh, method of how he trains, so impressive with uh, how he, how he did it. I was like, I'm going to give this a whirl. And, um, I was like, nope, I'm going to do a long run tomorrow. And okay. So the, uh, and I had a beer and the, um, the long run, on Sunday, what I'm doing there is every week I'm running a little bit farther on my long run. And I want to get up to either two hours and 15 minutes or two, two and a half hours. Kind of on the fence about that. Um, and also not every week. Like next weekend, I'm going out of town to Austin and um, probably not going to do the long run at all. Uh, but what's cool is on the long run, I'm just adding a few minutes every time. And I'm noticing that I can go just a little bit longer before it starts to hurt. And I've been making mental notes every week when I do one, um, when it starts to hurt, right? Well, it started to hurt at an hour and a half, uh, hour and 20 minutes, like a few weeks ago. And it started to hurt, at, and then I would keep going to about two hours. And then uh, last week, it was an hour, yeah, like an hour and a half and our hour 35 it started to hurt and i went two hours and you want to run when it's uncomfortable for a little bit to improve yourself and then um went to two hours and five minutes i think i've done a two a 202 and a 205 and then this week it didn't start to bother me until one hour and 55 minutes or something like that i was way into the one one hour and 50 uh before it even registered is like, nah, you're kind of starting to struggle here a little bit. And then, uh, so I ran, uh, just added a few more minutes to the total and went two hours and eight minutes. And I also worked on, um, ended up being 13 and a half miles and, uh, really easy jogging. We're talking average of like a nine and a half minute mile. And the, um, because it is so ungodly hot and I got a kind of a late start, and I wanted to, um, I ran the first hour with the dog and he jumps into ponds and shade and whatever. But by the time uh, I went out and I dropped him off at the house after an hour and I went out for another hour plus, right? And by the time that uh, I uh, started that second hour, it was hot. And then when I only had half an hour left, it was miserably horribly hot. So on the second uh, outing, I uh, filled up my bottles with um, ice, crushed ice all the way to the top, and then cold water on top of that, crammed it in there. And I actually had ice water 
um, almost that last full hour, almost until the end. And um, what I would do is I noticed when I was running in the sun, uh, it would immediately impact me. We're talking like 90 degrees with, um, but then the radiant heat coming off of the pavement is probably about 95, maybe a hundred or something. And, um, this is only like 10 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Texas is so sucky in the summer for uh, training. Um, you got to go out like at midnight. Anyway, um, I just slowed down my pace to about an, uh, about half a minute mile slower, maybe even a minute mile slower. And then I ended up, that ended up making a huge difference. And uh, I learned that uh, reading Sammy Inkinen's blog about when he was doing um, Hanu 70.3 in Hawaii, in Kona, Hawaii, I think is where that one's at. And the, um, the run goes across this golf course and it's out exposed in the heat. And um, when it's in the sun um, and if there's no cloud cover, he'd slow down a lot. And also he would do the run harder earlier on and then as the sun, uh, trying to bank time, trying to put in some time against the course, extra hard early, and then um, would go easier towards the end uh, to keep from getting sick from the heat. Now what I did notice is um, I only used for this run, I posted a picture on Instagram, I only used um, one third as much calories as I normally would. I made a mix of maltodextrin and Gatorade, uh, just a little bit of Gatorade with malto and sea salt. And um, I hardly needed any at all, but I was actually a little bit worried because it was so hot. I don't think I could take on any fuel at all without getting sick to my stomach. So it's not that wasn't really a, a great test. So, um, But that's where that's at. And people need to know that, that when you go and do that in the heat, you need to uh, calculate for being able to eat less, but also you need to slow down anyway, or else you're going to cook yourself. So maybe, maybe it kind of washes out. But, um, then I turned around, that was, uh, yesterday. And then I turned around this morning and was feeling pretty amped and, uh, about how successful this weekend was and, uh, went for a swim and did the same thing I usually do where I just swim easy. Uh, I'm not trying to improve my swim right now. So just kind of swimming easy enough to get the, uh, shoulders, uh, some action, um, to keep where I'm at, but no, uh, work on the legs, uh, to let my legs recover. Um, tonight I might try running, uh, because, uh, Matt Hansen was saying, um, even after a long run, long bike ride weekend, he would run the, on Monday. I don't know about that. We might try that. Might not. And coming up, uh, Tawny's asked me to do three days, no training, which is easy to do because I'm going to Austin. And then, uh, on the weekend, and then uh, 24 hours without training is a day without training. So one evening and then overnight and then the next morning uh, is, a, is, a, is one day without training. And uh, that's easy to uh, fit in. So I'm pretty stoked about that. All right. Let's uh, wrap things up with a few comments uh, from, and donations from happy listeners. And I hope you enjoyed all that training log stuff. That was a lot of fun. And if it helped you, uh, let me know. Send me a message on Twitter and give you some ideas. Okay, hold on. All right, I'm back. It's been a few days. (laughs) Time warp. Man, lots of stuff is going on. This Bahrain trip looks like it's actually really going to happen. I'm going to have to look for a title sponsor to get me there with the airline ticket. Once I get there, everything's good. But getting there 
somewhere between six hundred and a thousand dollars, probably, uh, including bike box and all that other stuff. But and then when I'm there, it's going to be interviews and a real tour of a whole other country. And Bahrain is technically in Asia. It's the uh, continent of Asia. It's in the Middle East. But the con- I looked it up. What continent is Bahrain? Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, all that's part of Asia. It's pretty cool. All right, let's read some emails and donations and fun stuff like that. So if you donate to the show, I uh, read your name off, which is a super cool way to help get your name out there that you're a supporter of Zentry. Test it. Donate to the show and watch what happens. You can donate to the show on the left side of zentriathlon.com. And uh, there's a PayPal link you can donate repeatedly, set up a recurring donation. It's like less than a buck an episode, pretty much. And then it's, um, uh, let's see, or you can do a one-time donation, either way. And then send me an email. So Peter Salzen, oh, and then get to listen to me uh, try to pronounce your last name. (laughs) Peter Salzen and Rick Farley Barrelman. He sent... Oh, it's about the barrel, man. Try, exclamation point. If you put an exclamation point in, I always read it because I think it's funny. Hey, Brett, check this out, exclamation point. Equal prizes for male and females, exclamation point. All capital letters. Prize money for pros and age groupers at barrel, man, exclamation point. Okay, that's enough. Uh, given to the recent discussions on some forms regarding North American races and prize money, I wanted to let people know that the Niagara Falls barrel, man. Well, once again, remember when everybody was trying to go over Niagara Falls in a barrel? <laughs> Um, we'll once again have prize money. We offer an open prize purse of $5,000 with the prize money awarded to the top five male and five female equal numbers finishers, uh, whether pro or age group. Whoa, what? So you could be an age grouper and beat a pro and you get the first prize money? All right, I love it. Put the pros on the toes. Okay, um, the money would be allocated as follows. First prize, 1000 Second prize, 750 Third prize, 500 Fourth prize, 150 Fifth prize, uh, you get slapped. No, you get 100 bucks. And uh, last week I was talking to a U.S. pro who will be racing with us last year, and he asked if Lionel Sanders will be defending his Barrelman title. All I could tell him was last time I spoke with Lionel, he said that Barrelman was on his radar, but it would depend on where he was in his final preparation for Kona. There is a chance he will not be racing Barrowman, and although the MSC team would love to have Lionel back in 2015, this would be good news for the competition! Exclamation point. There are other updates to the run course and more in our latest newsletter. So they have a newsletter for Barrowman. Um, we have also just realized, as far as we can tell, Barrowman was the second largest independent non 70.3 half half. Just we're just call it that in North America. Hey, that's pretty cool because you want to go. A lot of you want to go to a big race, you know, it's got some good competition and more people makes it fun. You have like a really nice support and stuff. You do that. From John Salt, uh, John at multisportcanada.com. So check him out. Oh, that was all forwarded to me by Rick. <laughs> okay. Um, another donor, Tyler Moyer, longtime donor. Thanks, Tyler, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, Spiros, Spiros, Fetsis, Fetsis, and. From Chicago land, Libertyville, I presume. And Daniel Stark, El Senor, Michael Radogna. Radog Radogna. He's new. I'll get it worked out. Maybe he'll send me an, maybe he will send me an email on how to pronounce his name. And then we got Sam, who 
Oh, crap. What did I just do? I messed up. Oh, I clicked on something, and now we're all screwed up. Let me go back. He had a note, and I clicked on it, and it took me to outer space. Was that a... Was that a um, was that a trick? Okay, here we go. Hey, Brett, thanks for all that you share on the podcast. I was just listening to the, the Iron Man Texas episode today. Your reactions to the drafting comments slash boasting were hilarious. Exclamation point. Uh, thanks for doing the right thing. Yeah, so go back and listen to the last episode. I went into a frenzy over a guy that was bragging to another guy that he drafts. And I said, you need to stand up against people that do that. And I did. I freaking gave him the uh, the talking to of his life that I'm sure he was not expecting. <laughs> He's just sitting there bragging away about how he um, about how he drafts. And then big six foot three guy pulls up next to him and goes, so you like to draft, huh? Tell me all about it. Tell me all about your drafting. I'm sure the officials want to know, jerk. Um, Anyway, so you need to stand up and people will back down because they know they're wrong. Um, I started listening to your podcast last year when I started doing triathlons. For real, did a couple sprints years ago. And I'm getting ready for my first half Ironman at Vine Man in mid-July and then the full at Arizona. It's a lot to bite off, but I'm not getting any younger. Exclamation point. I'm really curious about this Hornet juice. Oh, yeah, we got to mention that. <laughs> so I can't wait. Uh, hey, I'm going to be traveling with the family starting next week for two weeks. Maryland and Seaside, Florida. Okay, everybody start listening because it's going to get important. Uh, any tips for training, finding a bike to rent while on vacation leading up to an important race? I'm trying to cram in my training now. I've heard of Spinlister. It's like Airbnb for bikes, but there are a lot of old clunkers out there. I guess it's better than nothing. Thoughts? Keep up the good work with the podcast. Thanks for everything. You keep me motivated. Exclamation point. Sam. Okay, I've already emailed him back and told him this, but this is what you do. Yeah, Spinlister. Um, Last summer when I went to San Diego, I checked out Spinlister and found some bikes. I thought it was a little bit too expensive, you know, but I don't know. Maybe it's something where you can argue the price down. But it was also kind of cool, and that was a year ago, so maybe it's got a little bit better. Um, found, um, found uh, you know, good good amount of bikes. I finally found a, a couple that I was interested in, and then um, then I went to Twitter, and that's where I started hitting up Twitter with hashtags: uh, bikes, cycling, triathlon, biking, things like that, um, and said, "Hey, anybody want to rent me their bike?" Or will let me borrow slash rent a bike and you kind of put out there your size and what you're looking for and then also put out there, you know, uh, ask a friend is another thing, like good hashtag. And then um, people will uh, come out of the woodwork and uh, start um, finding you and then find bike clubs that are in that town uh, using Google and uh find the president of the bike club and email him. And then there's another way. Um, what was that one? Oh, you call uh, bike shops and ask if they rent bikes. And there's a bike shop in San Diego that rents Cervelos, uh, Nitro, uh, rents, uh, rents Cervelos like clockwork. And so I've rented uh, twice, I think, from there and gotten a, a 56. You know, you tell them your size and they reserve it for you and everything. It's pretty cool. That's out in San Diego, I'm sure. You know where you're going. It's pretty much the same. And uh, that's how you do it. 
As far as training, uh, don't piss off your family by trying to train all the time while you're on vacation. Ask first. Tell them what you want to do and about how much and how much it would mean to you for them to uh, help you get it done. And promise that you'll be there uh, for everything and not to worry. And then keep it to a minimum. And, um, and then that's how you do it. Uh, let's see. Ralph Jacobson. Hey, thanks, Ralph. And uh, Ken Soderquist. These are all longtime donors. Erica Dennison and Dwayne Morin and Joseph Rogalski. Ted Stephanie, James Biles, Chris Leonard, and Tyler from Utah. Here we go. Oh, this is a long. Oh, my. Am I going to read this whole thing? Uh, let me see if I can. Let me try to read it at 100 speed. <laughs> I can talk really fast. Hey, Brad, I was just finishing your race week's cap for Army Texas. Always, it was awesome. The reason for the email is I'm the guy who asked you for the Pump of T1 and said, Oh, you're the dude. Hey, I was the guy that asked you for the Pump of T1 and said, You had your family waiting for you and you had to get going. I did see your wife and Kai over by the fence waiting for you, but next time my wife. Oh, wait, next to my wife and son. So I totally understood and wanted to know, let you know it was cool. I've taken my pumps to many races, and you always get suckered into letting everyone and their dog use their pump. And when I saw it was you with the pump, I thought it would be a perfect time to say hi, but I could tell after I asked that you had been sitting around for a while waiting on others and waited to get going. I understand totally. It is a race, and we all have our pre-race routine, and some have to do sometimes is out of the essence. <sighs> I did want to say that I was fully aware of, of ah dang it of where your bike was and it was and it was easy I was easy to gauge on how I was doing on the swim and the bike for the race this year in Ironman Texas 2013 you had me on both the swim and the bike by a couple of minutes so I knew you were where you would be this year and held true nice all caps job on the swim and bike <laughs> notice he didn't say that right I had a blowout at 60 miles which put me at eight minutes trying to get it changed which see you can change a flat in eight minutes what does that matter over an Ironman right isn't that cool doesn't really matter that much and got it changed, which killed my bike time. Yeah, sort of. Um, and I wasn't able to find you until a mile nine or 10 of the run. When I finally caught you going over the bridge by the swim start, I fell apart as well after that with the heat. Oh, so it's not just Brett, huh? Anyway, uh, especially with me coming from Northern Utah. So my heat acclimation was not there this year is when I raced Texas in 2013. You had said that you were pushing for a sub 10 this year, as was I. So I wanted to keep a close eye on you where I was at. I even have my oldest son tracking you. <laughs> dang it on the web and watching for you at t1 on the run so i could see how much it, you guys are out there trying to track me for your own performance you guys are crazy um so much pressure and let's see how much i had to push my run time to catch up with you and hopefully go sub 10 along with you but the race didn't play out for either of us this time dang heat god dying heat uh, maybe next time we can do it. Uh, thanks again for all the good advice you do. You've given over the years. It has been nice to hear about you and all your adventures and training days. Very helpful. Wish you the best in all your training and racing. If you ever want to do some high elevation training, 4,600 feet where I live and short two miles to the base of the Rocky Mountains, that will give you several thousand feet of climb in eight short miles. You are always invited. Thanks, Tyler. Boom. I've already emailed Tyler back and I want to go next summer. I want to go to Utah. I've never been to Utah for anything except for eating uh, a Starbucks salad at the freaking airport at... Uh, um, what's the big city in Utah? Forgot off the top of my head. And um, my son's texting me. He's asking if I'm gonna go to the triathlon, the kids' triathlon in Austin. I'm saying, of course, dude. Of course. I'm typing right now. Of course, dude. Yes, we are all all going. All right. And did that go away while I was typing? No. Okay. And I think that's all the donations this time around. There's a few more sitting in my inbox, but I collect them all. I have a pro, I have a process. 
Agent Stalling. And then uh, I get them all together. So if you didn't hear yours this time around, we'll get to it next time around. And I think that is it. Let's talk about Hornet Juice for a second. If you want to kick your training and racing into mega high gear, you want to try Hornet Juice. Hornet Juice are these packets of amino acid powder, and they last an hour and a half. And um, you sprinkle it in your pre-fuel if you want, or just have it with your coffee before you head out for a workout. And they're only like 60 calories, I think, for a whole hour and a half. But um, what it is, uh, it turns on your body's uh, signaling to uh, start burning body fat. Uh, for extra fuel. So it kicks on your fat metabolism a whole lot more and a whole lot better and a whole lot earlier than uh, you normally would without it. It's really, really cool. And I remember the first time I ever used it, I was on a ride with Tri-Boomer and some other guys, and I thought somebody hitched up a, a diesel locomotive to my bike because I'd gone one of the farthest, longest bike rides I'd ever done in my life, and I wasn't tired. It was really weird. And I was <laughs> like, this is crazy. And it doesn't give you a buzz or a high like caffeine. It just helps you feel like you can just keep going and going and going. It's so cool. And I have to warn you, it is not made for uh, sex. Some of you people I've heard want to try it and then have some kind of endurance uh, sexathon with your hornet juice. And that's not what it's for. I'm not saying you can't. But that's not what it's for. And it's uh, just amazing stuff. And uh, they come from uh, New Zealand. So when you order it, you actually get an email, personal email back from me. You order Hornet Juice, you end up getting my email address with a note from me. And uh, then you know how I love to talk. We can end up talking (laughs) about Hornet Juice and about training and about Utah and about whatever. And you can um, get a... Oh, and the package comes from New Zealand, though. I tell them, all right, this person's ordered something. Send it to them now. And you get a package from New Zealand with New Zealand's uh, postage on it. It'll have like a narwhal and uh, leprechauns. That's Ireland, but you know what I mean. It'll have a, what's from New Zealand? It'll have a kiwi bird and um, Lord of the Rings stuff all over it and a magic wand and like tree ogres and stuff. And uh, that's what you get. And you'll have some of the best workout results of your life. It is so cool. And yeah, yeah, help you burn body fat off too. All right, so I think that's it for this episode. Let me tell you a couple more things I like that are going on. Uh, Rudy Project has been in touch with me, and we're going to get some Rudy Project gear for me to test. There's some sunglasses that are um, new lenses that are supposed to be like super shatter resistant. So we're going to do a video where Kai shoots me in the eye with a BB gun, and uh, you know just. Just to, uh, for no reason whatsoever, just to see uh, how um, shatterproof they are. And then, I'm just kidding, we're not going to do that. And then, then, uh, I think uh, a helmet and a bag, and we're going to test. They've got like the best triathlon bag that's out there. It's really, really cool. I've been looking at videos online of this thing, and I'm all excited about getting a freaking bag. (laughs) I'm like, this is the coolest bag ever. And, so um, it's called the, uh, I think it's called the 46 is what it's called. The Rudy 46 uh, Triathlon Transition Bag. And um, I've been riding with uh, ceramic speed bearings on my bike. And I've been out winning time trials with these things. And the drivetrain is just so smooth. I've got them in my bottom bracket. And I've got them in the rear derailers and uh, the, the, um, the rear derailleur pulleys. 
and they're red. They're really cool. Like people look at it and they go, what's that? I'm like uh, ceramic bearing pulleys. And they go, Ugh, why would you need that? And then you can tell later, they're like, man, that's pretty freaking cool. I wish I had that. <laughs> like, yeah, you do. They're so cool. But I rode them in Ironman, Texas, and they are um, uh, super, super smooth. That That's one of the things that helped the me get bored on the bike i was just like man there's just it's so quiet and and uh, and you know silence is the lack of of uh, friction and uh, resistance so you're putting out more watts or more of your watts that you are working uh go to the rear wheel uh to push you forward so it's really really nice and we'll have uh more time trials and um Oh, I'm doing a blood test tomorrow morning, which means I have to fast tonight. So we'll see how tomorrow's time trial goes, if I go at all. Um, Kai might do the one tomorrow. And then we got a kid's triathlon going on in Austin uh, this weekend. So I'll probably have some audio from that. That's a lot of fun. To um, If you uh, go volunteer at a triathlon, go volunteer at a kid's triathlon. It is so hilarious. There's kids out there whose parents want their kid to be the next Lance Armstrong. So they're in teardrop helmets and uh, carbon bikes. And aero bars, I don't think there are a lot of aero bars, but, uh, you know, like $10,000 bicycles that are like half the size of a normal bicycle and custom made out of titanium and carbon. And then there's the, <laughs> there's the, there's the kid riding on a, on a Huffy with uh, tassels and a basket on the uh, front with a teddy bear in the front for teddy bear power and a pink helmet. And like, it's awesome. It's so cool to see where everybody comes from and uh, what everybody's trying to get out of it. Um, so we're going to do that. All right. I think that's it for this episode and, uh, definitely go check out the, um, I want to give a shout out and people, if you hear this, tell, uh, the real Starkey on Twitter that I mentioned it on the show. Uh, I give a shout out to trstrathlon.com, the website. Um, their form is a nice alternative to slow twitch. Uh, it's a lot of fun and it's funny. And, um, the more people that are on a form, the better it gets and some killer articles that he's writing. Um, but he's getting other people to write too. Uh, Joe Filiol wrote a good one about doping and triathlon. It's super cool. So you got to go there and check that out. All right. Everybody, you know what to do. You work the uphills, cruise the downhills, and keep the rubber side down out. <laughs>